What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your 427 episode of Off The Script for Sunday, March, April 24th. 2022. I am JD from New York, exhausted, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on this Sunday evening, wherever you may be. Man, I've been on my feet since 9.30 this morning, man. I am absolutely exhausted. I was actually going to push the podcast back another hour, but I think that would actually make me feel a little bit worse than I do now. But we are here, we are live, and we got a lot to go over here on Off The Script. Plenty of news for all of you on this Sunday night before we begin another brand new week right here in the IWC. Again, thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday nights, as always. We're going to go over all of this Triple H stuff. I wanted to get into this earlier in the week, but I felt like I was going to go live talking about this at some point this week, and I saved it. For Yes, I know it's April. I wish it was a little bit warmer, but today was beautiful, man. So thank God we got the nice weather coming. Triple H, I wanted to talk about this interview with The Athletic that Triple H conducted. And we're going to go over exactly what he said. He went over all the future plans for NXT, where they're going with the brand, why the relaunch happened, and what he thinks of AEW. So we're going to go over all of that Today, as the major story on the podcast, also Mustafa Ali, as reported this evening, he will be on Monday Night Raw if things go according to plan and creative ideas have been pitched for Mustafa Ali. And I'll give you my plan on what I think he will be doing on Monday night if they are sending him to Monday night, because from what I Recall, he was on Friday night as a SmackDown superstar. So WWE clearly not adhering to the brand split rules with Mustafa Ali. That may be on him. I'm not sure. But we'll go over that right here on the podcast. Also, we talked about this earlier in the week. FTR is drawing interest from WWE. There is a little bit of an add-on to that story. And we got right out of their mouths... We got Dax and Cash talking about why they aren't going anywhere anytime soon. We got news on Brett the Hitman Hart. We got news on the brand split and why that will not be ending anytime soon as well. So we will uh, have a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about here on the podcast. And I appreciate you guys for hanging out with me on your Sunday nights. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Let me know if you guys are having some problems with the microphone, man. I think I had it a little bit too loud on the intro side of things. So if it's still cracking for you guys, I hope it's not. I actually had it raised just a little bit. So I toned it down. Let me know if that actually helped the situation. Don't want any audio problems on my end because... I don't want to have to go through that shit on my own end, man. Fuck that shit. Anyway, follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. D- turn on the bell for notifications. Yes, it was, it was the fact that I actually did raise it. Then if you guys are saying, it's fine. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. 
Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. There's plenty of it. It is chock full of stuff, man. You name it. Extras. We did the live streams Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. It is all there for you guys if you missed any of the content this week. And we're going to hit it hard again starting on Monday with Monday Night Raw. Seems like WWE is uh, once again in a dead period following WrestleMania. It seemed to have just died and fell off a cliff. There's no interest. But that's what happens when the product just generally sucks on a weekly basis. So Monday, we'll be live again tomorrow night inside the venue for Monday Night Raw. Make sure you guys go and support the podcast via my sponsor today, Manscaped. Manscaped.com, that is Manscaped for all of your needs, man. Whether you need a fresh shave, you guys want to smell clean and fresh, you guys need a new shower routine, they got you covered, man. Manscaped.com, that is code SCRIPT20 at checkout to save 20% off and free shipping. Couple of pieces of information that uh, I want to let you guys in on. Number one, we're working on some new artwork. So that will be happening very, very soon, man. We're going to be getting out of the beautiful venue this summer and hopefully be moving in into a beer garden. So that's coming. And I will let you guys know when that's happening, man. We got to change it up for the summer. I need to change because I get a little antsy and I always feel like I need to stay a step ahead. And we're going to move into the beer garden whenever my team over at DBA Designs gets me in. And we can get all that situated, man. My mind's been buzzing with some ideas. So as soon as I get those ideas to them, they're going to put their magic on it. And we're going to be in a new beer garden in uh, hopefully a couple of weeks. So I'll let you guys know on that. May 10th, there will be no NXT podcast. Tuesday night, there will be no NXT podcast. I will not be live on YouTube. I will actually be in Manhattan at Irving Plaza watching Symphony X live. 27 years they've been around, man. I missed their 25th anniversary because of COVID. I haven't seen them in the States since then. I will be live in concert May 10th, so I will not be here doing any wrestling-related live streams at all, especially for NXT, man. If there's one night that I'm glad they're playing on, it's fucking Tuesday night, so I will be there. I can't wait to see Michael Romeo again live. They are absolutely fucking phenomenal. Easily the best guitarist, in my honest opinion, on the entire planet is Michael Romeo. So I'll be seeing them live, and I don't know what I'm doing this weekend because I will be taking a trip to Delaware, and I will be spending the weekend with my parents. So we will have to figure out what type of content and when the content is going up this weekend. So just want to let you guys know if that there is no live stream on the weekend coming up and there is no off the script episode 428, I'll probably substitute a couple of extras during the week to give you guys all the news that you need. Also, go get your t-shirts. Bonfire.com is the place. Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of off the script. Everything you need is linked in the description. Right underneath the video player, you'll see right there all of the different designs that Bonfire offers via the Off The Script online shop. And that's pretty much all I got for you, man. Let's get into the news tonight. Right here for episode 427 of Off The Script. WWE. You know, I love how they used to say AEW is not competition, man. With everything that they do, they always show you that AEW is indeed competition. 
WWE is now gauging fans and fan interest on a ranking system and a possible ranking system to come to television. Now, I think this is a great idea. I think this is a fantastic idea. I've been asking for this ever since AEW started the ranking system for their own television show. PW Insider is reporting that WWE sent out a survey to fans and asked them a series of questions, including whether whether or not they are interested in a wrestler ranking system. All the questions included how many times a month they watch WWE programming. Now, if you are somebody like me, you got to watch many hours and many shows that WWE does. If you're a regular fan that doesn't do what I do or others do in the community, I don't know why the fuck you'd watch any of their programming because it largely sucks. How often they attend events, interest in NFTs, and interest in behind-the-scenes scenarios. The previous survey sent out by WWE was in regards to interest in the matches booked for WrestleMania Backlash, or what I like to call WrestleMania Rehash, because that's all it is. As fans were asked to rank the matches from not at all interested to extremely interested. WWE previously had a ranking system called Power Rankings. If you guys remember, they used to do it on WWE.com. The biggest difference between now and then, WWE, I guess, went away with it because AEW was doing it, and they don't want to do anything that the enemy is doing on their side of things. The biggest difference also between how WWE did it and what AEW used to do is that WWE's version didn't focus on wins or losses or any draws that may have happened. Time limit draws. AEWs, you guys know, have time limit draws on Dynamite. Match records are the only thing AEW rankings consist of. AEW uses the rankings to set up storylines and build up title contenders. WWE's version was centered around who made a bigger impact on television that week, whether it was in the ring or during a promo. The WWE power rankings ended in November of 2017. I think this is a great idea. I don't even give a shit if you want to go out there and these neckbeard AEW fucking elitists, they want to chime in, oh, AEW, look, they had it first. And WWE's copying them now. (laughs) No. No, I don't want to hear anything about that, man. If something makes WWE TV better and it makes their shows better, then I'm all for it. I've been crying for years, for WWE to take wins and losses and make them fucking matter. If WWE went ahead and did a ranking system, we may not get the same fucking shit that we get every single week on television. We may very well get that because of the people writing the show, and we all know who is responsible for that. But as far as wins and losses, we may not get champions wrestling on TV all that often. We might not get champions losing non-title matches all that often. If WWE actually took it seriously and they applied it to their television shows and made it mean something, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown would actually have a a, a nice different feel to it. It may actually give the shows, you know, from the viewer's standpoint, a reason to watch those shows. So I'd love to see it. Just because WWE never really, as far as I've been alive, never really incorporated that into their television program. We were always conditioned, oh, wins and losses don't matter. And none of this shit matters on WWE television. It's what Vince wants and what Bruce wants. Now, if WWE actually realized that they have the power to do whatever the fuck they want with the power ranking, it's not determined by us. 
They would never give us any sort of power at all, right? It's not a fan-voted, vo- you know, power ranking. It has nothing as far as what the fans want. WWE, if they actually took what they do in AEW and apply it to their own shows, it would make it better. So I'd love to see it. Now, I don't know how likely this is. They, they usually send out these, these fan surveys and nothing comes of it. But WWE likes to keep a close ear to the ground on what everybody else is doing. And then they want their audience, whoever is still watching their shows, to kind of do the heavy lifting for them. Oh, we're too lazy to do this, but we're going to ask you to see how much interest there is in whatever else everybody else is doing. So that's all it is. It's WWE being lazy at the end of the day, and they're letting the fans do the heavy lifting because they're too fucking stupid, and they're too creatively bankrupt to come up with anything refreshing for their own fucking program. So at the end of the day, I mean, it is what it is. But I'd like to see it. Will it happen? Probably not. No use in getting our hopes up. WWE reportedly... I talked about this on an extra, and I'm talking about it here again tonight because depending or you know, depending on if YouTube pushed the video out, you, you might not have seen that one. It, it might have slipped by you. I'm going to talk about it here because there is new additional information on not only what FTR said, but also what Bret the Hitman Hart has been up to. WWE reportedly is interested in signing FTR. Now, we know that's not going to happen at least for another year and a half. And even if their contracts are up, I don't know why FTR would even entertain the thought of going over to WWE. By the time that they left, the top tag teams in WWE were the Usos and the New Day. Now the time that they've been in AEW, the same tag teams on top in WWE are the Usos and the New Day. And RK-Bro, who's not going to be around any longer uh, because I think they're breaking up. I think they're going to be ending up just with a split, and I think the best thing for both of those guys is Randy Orton going heel and Matt Riddle actually moving on up as a singles up the WWE rankings. And, and by the time FTR even got to WWE, if they wanted to entertain the idea of going back to WWE, I don't think RK-Bro would even be a thing by the time they get there. But there's nothing for them over there as far as tag team wrestling. Tony Khan has created the best tag team division in all of pro wrestling. He's opened up or I should say, blown open the forbidden door. They could do whatever the fuck they want. They want to wrestle in Mexico, they could go wrestle in Mexico. They want to go wrestle on Impact, they could go wrestle on Impact, as long as it's approved by Tony Khan. They want to go wrestle for any independent wrestling promotion. Go ahead. Go ahead. As long as it's approved by Tony Khan. Now Tony Khan owns Ring of Honor. You could fucking wrestle anybody you want in Ring of Honor as well. The, the, the door for FTR to go out there and do what they wanted to do is now wide open. They wanted to wrestle, and Tony Khan is giving them the entire fucking world to go out there and wrestle. Fightful reported earlier this week that WWE was interested in FTR, and AEW has since stated that they have one year left on their deals, so it looks like Tony Khan has picked up the one-year option for both Dax and Cash. Last December, FTR told Barstool Wrestling that they didn't have long left on their current deals. So then it was reported that Tony Khan picked up that additional option and is keeping them for an additional year. Because we don't have much longer on these current contracts, they said on Barstool Wrestling. I don't know what's going on or what's going to happen from there, but we have a short amount of time to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish, says Dax Harwood. 
Now, they did not say when their deals were up, but they did debut on AEW Dynamite on May 27, 2020, which means that May of 2022 would have been around the two-year mark that they would have probably had their contracts expire with AEW. Now, since AEW's picked up the one-year option, that likely means that they could not negotiate with any other companies until May of next year, 2023. A return to WWE is possible next year because Dax has stated on Twitter that they could make the jump if the offer was right. If the right offer came along, they would definitely entertain it. FTR's been getting a bigger push on AEW TV as of late. Their match on Dynamite with the Young Bucks received rave reviews. They just had a fucking absolutely match of the year classic. May end up being the match of the year for all, for all I know. As far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen anything better than that so far this year. And we still have a lot of time left in the year with the Briscoes. And that was on Ring of Honor's first show back with Tony Khan leading the charge with Supercard of Honor. However... Now, while things seem to be going well for FTR and AEW, they've not ruled out a WWE return. Dax was, I believe, taking a Q&A on a flight to Mexico, and he did say, yes, if the money and circumstances were right, he would entertain a return to the WWE. So, in the lights after this report came out this week, Dax Harwood was on the Wrestling Perspective podcast. No idea who they are. He was interviewed on there. And he was asked about reports of WWE showing interest in FTR again. Dax said this is not damage control. And he said this. We didn't need any damage control. I think both companies are in the business of getting talent and getting talented talent. Not just any talent. And I think... They've seen the wave we've made, especially in the last eight to 10 months, more so in the last four months. So yeah, why wouldn't they put feelers out? Why wouldn't they ask about it? Of course they would ask about it. WWE had no fucking interest in A, tag team wrestling, or B, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, FTR. They were the revival in WWE. They were not interested in them when they were there all those years. And now all of a sudden, because they're doing incredible things with AEW, now WWE wants them back. It's as if AEW is doing WWE's homework for them and WWE wants to take the fucking cheat notes and they want to go and apply it to whatever they got to do. Doesn't work that way. All this does is expose WWE for being a bunch of creatively inept fucking retards. That's all it does. That's all it does. WWE can't book for shit. And I can't stand that. That's what's happening here. WWE wants them back because AEW made them into the best tag team. They were the best tag team on the planet, period. But now AEW is giving them the foundation to be the best tag team on the planet. Now WWE wants them back. Fuck that. Fuck that. I don't give a shit how much money those people are offering me. You treated me like shit. You embarrassed me, not only because you had me fucking have my back shaved by my tag team partner with the Usos spying on me, but you gave me a gimmick that was embarrassing that you know what I'm talking about. It was like some fucking court jester gimmick that outfits made and everything. WWE wanted to make them into complete and utter clowns. Why would they go back? Why would they go back? I know I wouldn't. That doesn't sound like a group of people that want me back for the right reasons. 
They want me back because they want to take talent away from AEW to simply weaken AEW. Not going to happen on my watch. Not going to allow you to do that. Here's the thing, he says. We respect Tony Khan so much, we would never in a million years, while under contract with the company, would we ever go behind his back and talk contract status with anybody else? No other company. We would never do that to him because we have too much respect for what he's given us and what he's allowed us to do. End quote. There you go. Hopefully this ends all the discussion by all these fucking geeks in the community. FTR is not going anywhere. And when they do have an opportunity to go somewhere, I don't think they will entertain that offer no matter how much money is put in front of them. Unless WWE woke up next week, or I should say after Backlash is over and they want to somehow resuscitate their tag team division and make it enticing, I will keep a close eye on that. Because I don't know, all of a sudden they want to re, re, uh, reimagine the tag team titles. They want to merge and unify the tag team. Why is that? Do they actually care about tag team wrestling right now? Or is WWE unifying the tag team titles one step at a time to really build the tag team division to lure another team like FTR or maybe somebody else that they have interest in in AEW? Come on over. Look at our tag team division. It's one division. We got one set of titles. And look at all these teams we got. Instead of the three teams you got on Monday and the two teams you got on Friday. Those don't really constitute as divisions. Has anybody ever asked yourselves in the chat why they're unifying the tag team titles? Very weird to me. I've been pushing for this shit for the last seven years. Now all of a sudden WWE wants to do it. Well, why didn't you do it fucking seven years ago when it was the right decision then? You wasted seven years of our fucking time. Now you want to do it. I wonder if all of this is in correlation with FTR or anybody else that may be uh, with a contract expiring in AEW. Just a little food for thought there. Just a little food for thought. That's all. They ain't going anywhere. And they should not entertain an offer because they are perfectly fine where they are, man. There is so much yet for them to still do. Why even bother? They already won the NXT Tag Team titles. They won the Raw Tag Team titles. They won the SmackDown. Why the fuck do they need to go back over there? Oh, because now there's unified Tag Team titles. Yeah, let's go back and win those. They mean shit. Shit. Now, Bret Hart. Bret Hart has been in the news. Everybody's talking about Bret Hart managing FTR. AEW apparently has never asked Bret the Hitman Hart about making an appearance at the Owen Hart Cup tournament's presentation. Now, there's been a lot of speculation regarding Bret Hart potentially signing with AEW because of a few different reasons, such as CM Punk and FTR doing tributes to Bret Hart in their matches as of late. Also, FTR recently let go of Tully Blanchard as their manager, and there were even on-air teases about Bret the Man Hart, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, coming on in to AEW. Those words were actually uttered on AEW Dynamite. As previously reported, people in AEW are under the belief that Bret Hart has quietly signed a lucrative Legends deal with WWE that would ban him from appearing on AEW shows. Thus, Hart serving as FTR's manager at a big-time wrestling event in June 
for a tag team match against Brock Anderson and Brian Pillman Jr. with Arn Anderson in the corner is a way around the WWE deal. Dave Meltzer noted on the latest Wrestling Observer Radio that Bret Hart has a Legends deal and a merch deal with WWE, but he does not know what it restricts. Give me a break. Bret Hart, of all fucking people, doesn't know what a WWE contract allows him and does not allow him to do. Are you fucking kidding me? Give me a fucking break with that shit, man. Meltzer says this, and I quote, So I don't know the whole deal. I was told that AEW believes that Bret cannot work for them because of a WWE deal. Bret has a Legends contract with WWE. I don't know what it restricts, so I'm not positive. He definitely has a Legends deal and a merchandise deal with WWE. He is under contract there, but I don't know if the stip is as far as it relates to AEW. AEW believes they can't use him, but I'll know that if that is the case uh, by the end of the weekend. End quote. Meltzer said he spoke with Hart and asked him about not being part of the presentation of the Owen Hart Cup Tournament Finals in Las Vegas at Double or Nothing. Meltzer says this in regards to Bret Hart being in Vegas. I know that Bret and Martha have had their issues, but it would be something if I uh, I actually asked Bret when I contacted him a couple of days ago, I was like, can you do it? Meaning the Owen Hart Cup. Because it would be so cool for him to be in Vegas for the finals of the Owen Hart Tournament. I think it would be nice as a symbolic thing. And he was just like, well, they haven't asked me. That's what he said. I think that would be cool. The key is Martha Hart and everything surrounding Martha Hart. So I I don't know. This is a very, very sensitive subject. Maybe AEW, maybe Tony Khan want to ask Brett to be there, but Martha is the one running the Owen Hart Foundation, and Martha Hart and Tony Khan have made a deal for the Owen Hart Cup Tournament and Owen's likeness to be in the tournament, honor him in the tournament. Owen's going to be in the video game. Maybe Tony Khan hasn't asked Brett that man Hart because he does not want to step on the toes of Martha Hart, who he's probably done all the negotiating with to get this tournament on AEW television. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know or have any idea of a possible falling out there still to this present day about whatever happened with Owen between Martha and Bret Hart. It is a very, very sensitive subject. So if Bret wasn't asked, I don't think AEW is doing it because they forgot. I don't think AEW is doing it because of any sort of malicious intent or they want to disrespect Bret Hart in any way. They may not be able to ask simply because of Martha Hart not have anything to do with WWE or anything of that matter. It may just be Martha Hart. We don't know. So I hope things could be worked out. I hope he doesn't have a WWE Legends deal that restricts him to not doing anything. But those Legends deals are, I don't know what the, the contract looks like, Undertaker's not going to sign a Legends deal and then go fucking show up on Dynamite to do something with Sting. He's not. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So if the Undertaker has a Legends deal and all these other guys have Legends deals, it may end up being the same thing with Bret Hart. WWE doesn't want their big legends, their superstar legends, going over to somewhere else while under WWE contract. There's a reason why they gave out those Legends deals. 
They don't want Vince and everything he created to show up on AEW television or another company that is actively competing with WWE be on their television show. WWE pulled Undertaker from StarCast. Remember that whole fucking ordeal? Soon as Undertaker was announced for StarCast, within a fucking week, less than that, he was pulled from StarCast. WWE does not want anybody that Vince has had a hand in creating to go and do whatever they have to do with AEW or want to do with AEW or another competing brand or another another promotion that is actively competing with WWE. It's not going to work that way. So this is a very sensitive subject. And Brett would probably, at the end of the day, let's be real, I think Brett would probably be smart to sign with WWE and a Legends deal with WWE. Everything that Brett has ever done that really fucking mattered is with WWE. You don't want WWE to own all that stuff and then you sign with somebody else or have a fucking deal with AEW and you can't you can't go back on that that content that WWE owns. So Brett's always been somebody that actually gave a shit about what he did and his body of work. That's to me the most important part of Brett that Manhart. That's what I feel like is his most important, you know, piece to him. His his body of work and that's where his body of work is WWE. So we'll see what happens, man. They may surprise us. We don't know if he signed to a Legends deal. Meltzer said he's going to find out at the end of the weekend. It may have something to do with Martha and nothing to do with Brett as far as why AEW has an axed. Brett Hart, very, very, very sensitive subject is this Brett Hart situation. But I'd love to see it, and I think all you guys would love to see it as well. What I'd love to see is WWE and the fucking brand split. I think the brand split needs to go away. I've been saying this again for seven years. No reason for a goddamn brand split. There are no plans to end the WWE brand split anytime soon. Now, despite WWE merging titles as of late, there are no plans to have the brand split come to an end. There have been some rumors online about WWE doing so, but Dave Meltzer noted on Monday's Wrestling Observer Daily Update that WWE doesn't plan on merging the Raw and SmackDown rosters together Though Roman Reigns is the unified WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion and the Usos or RK Bro, I think the Usos, are going to win the unified WWE Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania Rehash. So that's my take there. But WWE merged these titles and will merge the tag team titles at Rehash. And regarding Reigns, Meltzer noted that Roman Reigns is expected to headline WrestleMania Backlash, and we now know who that's going to be against. We all thought it was going to be Shinsuke Nakamura, and WWE actively removed him from all plans, which we all saw him maybe being a guy that would be fed to Roman just in a one-off, just to get Roman through a couple of months before we get to the big shows this summer, and then Roman can have a big opponent. WWE's going right for the kill and WWE's headlining rehash with Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. That is your main event for WrestleMania Backlash. I honestly think it's too soon. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show because we do have the actual report on why that's happening. WWE is advertising Reigns to defend against Drew McIntyre on their UK house show tours later this month which does take place right before WrestleMania Backlash, although that feud could be saved for the upcoming big stadium shows in Tennessee 
for SummerSlam, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas for Money in the Bank, or WWE could have this this match at their Principality Stadium show on Labor Day weekend in September. And that's going to be a major, major, major draw for WWE. They could easily do Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns at that show. But the thing is, we're doing this now in April. We're going into May. Is WWE going to keep this feud going April, May, June, July, oh, five months of McIntyre and Reigns? Oh, my God, man, fucking spare me. WWE can't even get through fucking one week of SmackDown. we got to get five months of Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns? That ain't ever happening. Give me a break. So they're advertising this match. WWE, I feel like, is rushing it, and it could be something that WWE could easily hold off on and just do going into the later summer months if they wanted to go in that direction. But clearly, Roman Reigns has no competition, and they have no fucking choice because their backs are against the wall now with SmackDown and their roster having no competition at all at the top of the card. Listen, I honestly think I've said my piece on the brand split. Do I think it would make for better shows? Absolutely. WWE doesn't even adhere to their brand split rules anyway. If Mustafa Ali shows up on Monday Night Raw, we all know he was on SmackDown beforehand, and if he shows up on Monday Night Raw tomorrow night, which I'll get to in a little bit, Monday Night Raw will get Ali, and nothing will be explained as to why he's over there. Meanwhile, the last time I saw him was on Friday night. They'll not announce a trade. They won't tell uh, anything about why he's over there. Oh, he was a free agent. He asked to be over here. Vince moved him over here because he wanted to. Uh, Nothing. Nothing. They don't even adhere to their own brand split rules. So what's the fucking point? What is the point in me complaining about anything that they do when they don't even give a shit what they do on their own end to cover their own tracks, to make logic of any of the moves that they're making? The brand split has been a complete failure. Monday Night Raw has suffered. You can't book a three-hour show every fucking week with the same goddamn roster that we have now. It will get old by the fourth week in, and that's exactly what happened following this year's WWE draft. Or last year's draft, I should say. The current draft that they did back in October. Everybody's like, oh, Monday Night Raw looks fresh. Monday Night Raw looks revitalized. Yeah, by, by the time the fourth week in after the draft arrived, we were already having rematches on Monday Night. SmackDown, forget about it, man. SmackDown may be the worst fucking show that I've seen in the last decade with what they're producing right now. That shit is fucking complete and utter garbage. I don't know how anybody could sit there on a weekly basis and think that what you're getting is proper television. It is horrendous. It is garbage. And the simple fact of the matter is, WWE doesn't even give a shit. They think at the end of the fucking day that they're producing a good show. Oh, SmackDown's getting over a two rating. We don't give a shit. You know who doesn't give a shit? WWE. The only people that give a shit are fucking dummies like me, thinking that things are going to change. But I'll continue to call them out every single time. I'll continue to fucking blast them every single week for giving us complete and utter garbage on television, man. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. It's my, it's my job to do so. And WWE, Monday Night Raw does not have a world champion. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. 
They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want you guys to be very well aware of that. Monday Night Raw does not have a world champion. There's nothing at the top of the card for anybody to be striving for on Monday night. And you know how WWE's booked their mid-card championships, their secondary championships. They booked those championships into a fucking oblivion. It is complete and utter garbage on both Monday and Friday night. Roman Reigns has got both titles on Friday. Austin Theory has got the biggest singles title over there on Monday Night Raw. Ricochet... He's got the Intercontinental title on on Friday night. They're not even doing shit with that. If you merge both of these rosters together, it would make for both shows to be a little bit better than what we're given now. But WWE, the only reason why they don't do it, two reasons why they don't do it. Number one, Fox and USA, NBC Universal won't allow it. They want separate rosters. Fuck the networks. I've been saying this for a couple of years, too. Fuck the networks. They don't know jack shit about what the shows need. WWE knows a little bit better, even though they don't know anything in their own right. They know a little bit better than what the networks fucking need. And WWE, Raw being three hours, I don't know how that show would sustain anything with a, a, a brand split ending, even at three hours. And as far as everything else, their creative sucks. They don't have... The capabilities, they don't have the mind to book a combined roster on Monday and Friday night. You'd you'd still be seeing rematches because that's how fucking oblivious they are. Even if the rosters were merged and the brand split ended, I guarantee you somehow, someway, WWE would still fuck it up. They don't do it because of the networks and they don't do it because it's too much workload on them. They're too too stressed out. It's It's a hard day at the office to book two completely different shows on Monday and Friday with with rosters that are combined instead of rosters being separate. They like the rematches. We hate the rematches, but they love it because no work and no effort goes into making those matches. None. It is a vicious, vicious cycle for WWE. But I honestly think the brand split ending would make the shows better. I, I would absolutely, I would not stop. If I'm WWE, they already unify the world titles. We're, we're already unifying the fucking tag team titles. I unify the women's titles. There's no need for two women's championships. None. There's no need for women's tag team championships. The only titles I would keep separate are, if you want to keep a brand split, the only titles I'd keep separate are the U.S. title and the Intercontinental Championship, which is based on the lineage of both of those championships. That's it. I'd merge everything else and get rid of the women's tag team titles and burn the 24-7. In fact, give me the 24-7 title. I'll fucking burn it right in my street outside and I'll fucking piss the flames out. I'd love to do that. No plans to end the brand split. WWE's not ending the brand split anytime soon. I think that's a mistake. But as long as WWE keeps unifying these championships, I think we may actually get some sense of change Will it be enough? Probably not. But at least they're at least they're going forward and doing what is right by eliminating 
unnecessary championships on both Raw and SmackDown. The other big story this week was Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is not coming back anytime soon. And Bray Wyatt's asking price to return to WWE or sign with AEW apparently is incredibly, astronomically high. There's always a chance Bray Wyatt, when the Rotunda, could return to wrestling. But any company that wants him will have a lot to get him or have to pay a lot to get him because he's going to come with a hefty price tag. Since his WWE release last July... Wyatt has not done anything inside of a wrestling ring. The only wrestling-related thing he's done was an appearance at WrestleCon in Dallas during WrestleMania weekend. There's been a lot of chatter online about when Wyatt could show up on WWE TV or AEW Dynamite, but as of this moment, it doesn't look like an in-ring return is imminent. In a Twitter post about WWE's interest for FTR, Dave Meltzer stated that WWE would be interested in any top AEW act right now and AEW would be interested in any top WWE act. Wyatt was rumored to be making the jump to AEW several months ago, but there's been nothing reported on that in quite some time. A fan then asked Dave Meltzer about the interest in Wyatt from AEW or WWE, and Meltzer responded, his asking price is very, very high. Wyatt hasn't been seen on WWE television since the night after last year's WrestleMania, and it appears that he has not been in any rush to wrestle, but he did state on Instagram last month that he can't imagine not stepping in the ring again. He said, and I quote, I will always love wrestling. I couldn't imagine spending the rest of my life without stepping in that ring again and hearing that roar of the crowd again. I think about it often. Everything has to be in place, though. Like I said, timing is everything. He also stated that his health is great. He says, and I quote, I've never been more healthy, both physically and mentally. I've been able to challenge myself with projects that I would have never been able to work on before. This is a happy time for me, but I have to be patient. Timing is everything. Mike Rotunda stated this week on the Gerald Briscoe and JBL podcast that his son Bray and Bo are definitely maybe not done with wrestling but they also have their foot in the door with non-wrestling projects as well. It's kind of a, uh, a weird statement. He says, definitely, maybe, not done with wrestling. Bray Wyatt is one of those things that we're never as a fan base, never as a community going to figure out what that man is thinking. The only one that knows what Bray Wyatt wants to do and what he is going to do is Bray Wyatt. And that is the sad state of it all. I know you guys want to see Bray Wyatt. I know everybody loved his creativity. I know everybody thinks he got fucked over in WWE, me included. But Wyndham Rotunda is somebody that, to me, I honestly think he's still hurt. I honestly think he's still hurt. He could show up and make easy money and do whatever the fuck he has to do, man. He could go to AEW and absolutely fucking kill merch sales. He could go there and and be the most creative guy on their entire fucking roster. But he's not going to do that. Why? Because it's too easy for Wyndham to do that. It's too easy for him to do that. Wyndham, the body of work, I just talked about this with Bret Hart. The body of work for Wyndham is more important than anything 
that he could possibly be doing on, on television as far as who he's feuding with or winning championships or headlining major shows. The story about Wyndham and the creativity that he puts forth, that is his most important value. That, that is who Wyndham is. Everybody's always credited him for his creativity. That's what he finds to be most important. And I can't fault him for that, man. He's either going to go somewhere where they're going to allow him to be as creative as he wants to be, or he's not going to do it. Wyndham, to me, I honestly feel Wyndham is still hurt by leaving WWE. And there's some part of me, there's some part of me that thinks Wyndham may want to be back with WWE because of how things ended. And if Wyndham feels hurt in any way, and he wants to get back there to finish up the story that he told, you think, listen, listen, You do you think Wyndham is okay with leaving WWE with The Fiend the way that it did with the fucking terrible storyline that they told? You think Wyndham is okay with that? Do you honestly think Wyndham is okay by being set on fire, by being buried by Randy Orton, by the bullshit fucking WrestleMania match that they had, to the bullshit Alexa Bliss gimmick that ultimately took his fucking character and gave it to Bliss? You think he's okay with that? I would bet anything that this man is still hurting. He would love to finish up the story that he told there instead of going somewhere else, which is so easy for him to do. To go somewhere else and finish up the story with people that don't know what the fuck the story is or work with people that were not involved in the previous story. Tony Khan could pay all the money in the world to get Wyndham Rotunda. He could do it right now. Wyndham is not going to go to AEW because it's too easy for him. Who's to say? Wyndham may still be hurt and he may still want to be with WWE. And when he says everything has to be in place... Timing is everything. Who's to say he ain't talking about WWE then? Who's to say he's not talking about WWE indirectly? Timing could be everything. WWE may not want him now. WWE may not need him now. You know when they'll need him? As soon as Tony Khan is out there and the rumors start circulating that Tony Khan is talking to Wyndham Rotunda about coming to AEW, that's when WWE is going to swoop on in and then Wyndham's going to show you exactly where he wants to be. That's what's going to happen. But this man's creativity was fucking destroyed. His, his hopes and his freedoms, they were, they were destroyed. By Vince McMahon. I don't know if he's seeing everything that's going on right now. Cody leaving AEW to go to WWE. Cody being treated like the AEW starlet was in WWE. It's unheard of. It still fucking weirds me out to see that we're getting the Cody that we got on Dynamite on WWE television now. And this is going on its fourth week. Maybe Wyndham is seeing how everything transpires with that. Maybe he says... Well, if Cody can go back over there and be treated as the star that he was on AEW television, why can't I go back there and do that same thing as The Fiend? It's going to be a very interesting thing when all of this finally starts to materialize and we start to know and see and and kind of feel where Wyndham's going to end up. If I'm making a logical guesstimation here, I think Wyndham is still hurt. And if Wyndham wanted to be in AEW, guys... You know, uh, listen, I'd love to see him there. 
But if Wyndham wanted to be in AEW, that would have been the first man that Tony Khan brought into the company because that is the biggest moneymaker out there over everybody. More so than a Strickland, more so than a Keith Lee, more so than a Gargano and a Tony Storm or anybody else that's out there. That was really a killer cross, Braun Strowman. Who's to say that Wyndham is not wanting to be back in WWE? For all we know, the Wyatt family could be back in WWE. WWE can bring in Wyatt. They could bring in Strowman. They could bring in Eric Rowan. Who's to say? WWE is, they, they, listen, man, they've done some strange shit in the past. We don't know what they're thinking or how their mind works, man. Wyndham, when you know, when you know about Wyndham and how you feel about Wyndham and you start to see and, and feel everything that's going on with him, you'll know where he's going to end up. The only one right now that knows is him. He may be waiting out for a specific something, man. That's just my feeling on that entire situation. I'm not talking about him going to AEW anymore. Because that, that man, to me, I feel like is still grieving over the fact that his fucking entire gimmick and his creativity was washed away because of people that thought that they knew better. The greediness of Vince and Bruce and Alexa and all this other bullshit, thinking that they could do it better than him. That man is still fucking hurt, man. He is still hurt. Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw on Monday. Not a good show. Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan versus Sasha Banks and Naomi. We finally got the Rhea Ripley heel turn. She turned on Liv Morgan. Rumor has it that she will be joining this brood 2.0 with Edge and Damian Priest. Not really all sure about that. I don't know if WWE is going to put a female in that group. That remains to be seen. Veer Mahan beat a local jobber. Finn Balor lost the United States Championship to Austin Theory. Street Profits defeated RK Bro. Cody Rhodes wrestled Kevin Owens. And he won via countout. This all sets up Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes for WrestleMania rehash. Also, we had a lie detector test about Kevin Owens giving a lie detector test to Ezekiel. Who wants to walk with Zeke? Absolutely fucking lame. The lie detector test was not that bad. I thought everybody involved played their parts very well, but the overall vibe of the show, I felt like WWE absolutely put in zero effort and the ratings showed for it. Now, you can come to me and tell me, oh, well, it's the NBA playoffs. It's the NBA playoffs, man. I don't give a shit about the NBA playoffs. I'm not talking about the NBA playoffs. The fucking NBA playoffs happen every fucking year. So excuse me for not giving a shit about your lame and tired excuses, man. I'm not using those excuses for AEW Dynamite because AEW Dynamite has had to deal with the NBA more so than anybody. So give me a break. The NBA playoffs, Monday Night Football, fucking Daylight Savings Time, Nickelodeon Kids, or whatever the fuck is going on, TV happens every single year, man. The World Series happens every year. We get fucking Wimbledon happening every year. PGA Open happens every... Oh, WWE's facing severe competition. Yeah, no shit. They've been facing severe competition since 1993, the day Monday Night Raw fucking was born. Stop with the tired excuses, okay? Why don't you start looking at the year over year over year over year over year and tell me what the fucking audience is year over year for the last 10 years to where it is now. 
That's the number you want to look at. Does anybody bring him that number? No, of course not. Oh, the NBA. The NBA playoffs are the reason why Monday Night Raw is so fucking low. No, the show sucks. The show is fucking garbage. That's the reason why the ratings are low. This show was terrible. No, you can't have a terrible show, right? It's got to be the NBA playoffs. Give me a fucking break. Monday Night Raw. 1.647 million viewers, man. Jesus fucking Christ, I wish I could play the goddamn fucking Powerball. I wish I could play the goddamn lottery. Told you. The rating that you're going to want to look at is the rating four weeks after WrestleMania. Not the fucking Raw after WrestleMania. And even that number's down year over year. 1.647 million viewers. Last week, the show did 1.8. Where'd they all go? Where'd they all go? The NBA playoffs weren't happening the week before? The 18-49 to 49 demo saw the average rating of a 0.47. That's down from a 0.54. This was the lowest key demo rating since March 7th and the lowest total viewership since January 17th. Hour one did a 1.8. Hour two did a 1.685. And hour three... <laughs> Oh, man, Hour 3 did a 1.456 million viewership, and Cody Rhodes was in the main event of the show. I guess Cody Rhodes ain't moving the needle, right? Holy shit. The NBA playoffs have averaged its best ratings since 2018 thus far and dominated television, which has impacted Raw ratings which it's always impacts raw ratings every single year. But if you look, if you look at the NBA playoffs from 2018 and you look at Monday Night Raw ratings in comparison to the NBA playoffs in 2018, you ain't going to get a 1.6 rating for Monday Night Raw. They may be closer to a 1.9 or a 2. Where did all those viewers go? Where did all those viewers just disappear to? Right? Nobody wants to ask... The important questions, man. Nobody wants to really take blame for this. Oh, it's the ratings. It's the NBA. Wasn't the NBA playoffs happening the week before when they did a 1-8? No, it's the NBA playoffs this week, right? Sure thing. Sure thing. Cody Rhodes. He explained his meeting with Triple H at WrestleMania this week. Cody Rhodes loves Triple H. Cody Rhodes even went on to say that Triple H is his favorite professional wrestler. Cody Rhodes, Triple H, there's been things that we've seen on television. Cody Rhodes breaking the throne and Triple H making one-off colored comments about AEW because Cody Rhodes and the Bucks and Omega were EVPs over an AEW at one point together. There were some jabs taken by both sides. But Cody was asked if he saw Triple H at WrestleMania 38. And he said this. I did. I was kind of careful. I wasn't too careful in the media scrum. I didn't really say what the interaction was like because I think that interaction to him may just be normal. Here is, you know, upper management and one of the greatest of all time going through a lot himself right now. Maybe just talking to me was another Tuesday. But for me, it wasn't. It was different because he is one of my favorites. 
I really did model a great portion of what I was going to do and how he modeled that. A lot of the game brand I modeled after me as well. But also, I was very, very angry. And that anger remains as far as how we saw each other and how he saw me and what I wanted to do. I wanted to channel that anger differently. But it was just a really touching moment. I didn't tell anybody what he said, and I won't. But it was a touching moment. I hear a lot of people say you shouldn't trust them. Above all, I trust myself. I do. I think I'm the best in the world at what we do, and that's because I work at it. I continue to work at it, and I want to love, I want to and love working at it. But that was a nice moment. It's not full circle, though, until it happens in the ring. I know I'm not expecting anything, and we're not talking about anyone coming out of retirement or anything, but wrestlers are this weird, cathartic species where it's not real until we do it out there. My brother's a prime example. The closest we've ever been to airing our problems out and just sharing our love with one another was when we beat each other half to death and bled literal buckets all over each other. There's something about when you're in the ring and that experience happens, I look forward to that moment if it ever happens. Well, that moment's not happening with Triple H. I'll tell you that right now. Triple H will never wrestle again. But the fact that Cody Rhodes talked about Triple H in the way that he did, it is very heartwarming to see that WWE at the end of all of this and seeing what Cody did to go and start AEW and do what he did with AEW and take all the cheap shots, it is very telling in one way or another. You know, the, the, WWE is as in, insincere as they come, but to take Cody and immediately embrace him for what he is now, instead of taking him and using him as an example in, in a bad way, they're, they're doing the opposite. I, I, I can't fault WWE, and I can't sit here and talk shit on the way they've booked Cody Rhodes. Has it been perfect? No. I mean, he's on WWE Monday Night Raw. I mean, it's not perfect by a long shot. But Cody Rhodes has sounded the same. He's looked the same. He's gotten great reactions. He's already teasing a major title program at some point. Whenever that happens, I don't know. With, uh, with maybe Roman Reigns or whoever the world champion is. So they've done right by Cody. And he needs to continue winning matches. He needs to beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania Backlash. So it is kind of eye-opening, it's endearing to see that WWE has grown up in a sense in this particular circumstance with Cody Rhodes and they're allowing him to be Cody Rhodes. And Triple H, you know, Triple H could be pissed at him. Triple H could sit there and have animosity, but that's not who Triple H is, especially after he went on Stephen A. Smith's uh, talk show and talked about him almost passing away and talked about how hard it was for his family during this time. Triple H is not going to have anything but the reaction he gave Cody Rhodes here. And I like that Cody didn't tell anybody what the conversation was about. That's between Triple H and Cody Rhodes. And that's going to be saved for the documentary when Cody Rhodes is set to hang up his boots. That's not something that we're going to find out at any point between now and Cody Rhodes being in the WWE until he retires. That's it. It's not going to happen. And I'm glad that they kept it private because I'm sure that was a very heartfelt moment. Triple H. It's a nice segue, huh? It's a nice segue. Let me check the chat. We got 1,700 people in the chat. I appreciate you guys joining me 
on this Sunday evening. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore, man. I'm fucking so exhausted, so tired. But listen, let me check the chat, man. We got 1,700 people. Want you guys to know that the likes, I only see 708 likes. So we need to get 1,000 likes minimum on today's Off the Script 427. What are you guys doing? Why is there not 1,000 likes? There's 1,800 fucking people here, man. Well, why is there not 1,000 likes? Are you creatively bankrupt like WWE? Please don't tell me you are. Make sure you guys get those super chats in, man. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. And we had 11 new members last weekend, man. Where are you? Where are you? Hit that join button. Become a VIP. Who doesn't want to drink in the fucking venue, man? Seriously. Guys, get those badges next to your name. You guys get to hang out in the VIP lounge. You guys get those emotes in the chat. It's great. It's great. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys get your super chats in and make sure you guys hit that join button down below and become a VIP right here on OTS. Triple H, man. Triple H. He was unplugged with The Athletic. Paul Levesque talks WWE's future. Method of making new stars with NXT 2.0, AEW, and more. Now, I'm going to read you the Athletic article. This is not an actual news article. This is actually the interview that he conducted with The Athletic. We're going to go over and we're going to dissect. Okay? Two and a half weeks ago, this was written by Chris Vinini. This is on April 18th, 2022, via The Athletic. Two and a half weeks ago, he says, I spent time at a WWE tryout to see how the company is going all in on a youth movement with college athletes. How WWE is focusing on college athletes differs from the why. The why is more complicated. It involves a lot of inside wrestling conversation and the aforementioned story already was long, so I did not include it in this article. Now, the reason why WWE is going with the college athletes instead of going after everybody that's on the indies is because now that's AEW's wheelhouse. WWE realizes that they're not going to be giving in and competing with all these other indie darlings when AEW is now the home for all of the indie darlings. WWE, they realize that Triple H tried to do that and they fucking absolutely murdered him over it and they ruined everything about his vision according to what he was doing with that, and they want to go in a different way. The reason why they're going with college athletes is not only because of AEW, and that's AEW's bread and butter right now, but WWE already tried this with Triple H. Triple H was signing every independent darling out there. He basically created a super indie for himself with NXT Black and Gold. And the fact that he failed at beating the home of the Super Indie now in AEW, they took that away from him. They took that away from him. So what did they do? They said, no more of your vision. We're moving away from that because clearly that didn't work out and we're punishing you because of it. It could have worked out if WWE embraced it, but they didn't want anything to make it to main roster television where Paul Levesque was going to be fucking praised for it. If everybody came from NXT, made it to the main roster and ended up being successful, who do you think they're going to fucking praise at the end of all of it? It's going to be Paul, uh, uh, 
uh, what's his name? Bruce Pritchard? Is it going to be Vince McMahon? John Laurinaitis? No. It's going to be Paul Levesque. They have no choice. And everybody there wanted Paul Levesque out. So now the only thing that they have left on their plate is college athletes, people that failed at whatever they were, uh, I guess, ingrained with. Lacrosse players, cheerleaders, fucking ex-football players that can't cut it anymore. Come on into the PC, man. We'll train you how to wrestle. We'll give you a gimmick. We'll fucking teach you how to cut a promo. And that's what they're doing now. That's exactly what they're doing right now. Olympic athletes like Gable Steveson, that's who they want. No more of the indie darlings at all. That was Triple H's thing. They killed him for it, and now they're moving away from his vision because it failed, and at the end of all of it, they punished him for not beating AEW. Let's continue. But after the response to the story and numerous comments asking about the change in NXT and competition with AEW, I figured I should write a bit more from my interview with Paul Levesque, WWE's executive vice president and global talent strategy and development known in the wrestling world as Triple H. We spoke for almost 30 minutes after one of the WWE tryouts, and I was grateful for his time. He doesn't do many interviews like that. I asked him about NXT, AEW, and the changes to the WWE developmental system he's led for a decade. It's been on the minds of wrestling fans for years. It all just didn't fit in the original story. WWE's move away from signing so many independent wrestlers was polarizing within the wrestling world. Even some people in the company were unsure about it. The move also came during a year in which Triple uh, WWE cut a large number of wrestlers from both NXT and the main roster. But in the seven-ish months since the shift, the company feels good about the change of direction. NXT 2.0 has found its footing. It's become a solid show. This guy is a complete idiot. And the ratings have become consistent. More importantly... They believe they're creating a new and young generation of stars in the pipeline. Officials were beyond pleased with the potential that they found at the tryout, and NIL deals are getting WWE in with top college athletes like Gable Steveson, with Levesque now back to work full-time after a health scare last year, and with his in-ring career officially over, He'll be more directly involved with developmental again via this NIL program. He loves the scouting aspect of the business and was invigorated by the tryout. So why make the talent shift and what's the goal? Here is more from my conversation with Levesque. My biggest takeaway from the WWE tryout was that the company is essentially making its own wrestling school. This is exactly what they want to do. Triple H, you know, he is going to be involved in the developmental. But Triple H is only there, and this is what people don't really don't really understand. Triple H was the man behind everything. Triple H sent out his scouts to go get people for NXT. Now, Triple H is like all the people before him, 
Triple H is now like all the people that he was giving orders to. The only difference is he's taking orders now from Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, Bruce Prichard, John Laurinaitis, and everybody else that, that have now decided to run NXT into the fucking ground. Triple H is not his own boss. Triple H is answering to higher-ups. Triple H is just another cog in the wheel. Triple H is lucky to even have a fucking job there. Triple H had his entire management staff terminated, which, by the way, was not mentioned at all in this entire fucking interview. He had everybody from the top all the way to the bottom fired. I'm sorry. I don't know why you would fire everybody that Triple H thought was a great fucking asset to his fucking team. I don't know why you would fire any of them if WWE was all about scouting talent. You mean to tell me that those same people couldn't do anything beneficial for the company with Triple H in this new role? No, 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 yeah. I'm I'm sure that that has everything to do with it, right? Everything about Triple H was removed. Everything. None of his management, none of the names that were let go were mentioned in this article. William Regal and everybody that I'm not mentioning. People that I don't even remember their fucking name. I know higher-ups on his team were let go. Everybody was let go that he personally brought in to take over. You mean to tell me that these people had no fucking benefit to him in this new role or no benefit to WWE? It only goes to show you that WWE punished Triple H and now he is a slave to the machine. That's all it is. So he's doing what he's told to do in the manner in which he is told to do it. Triple H can't go out and scout any sort of talent. It's got to be college athletes. Triple H can't go out there and scout the independents. He can't go look at PWG. He can't go look at Impact. He can't go look at MLW. He can't go look at AEW and have conversations with free agents over there. Now it's got to be college athletes. The NIL program. Because WWE wants to take these blithering fucking numbskulls that don't know jack shit about professional wrestling and they want to brainwash them into thinking that WWE is the only way it's done in professional wrestling. You're not a professional wrestler. You're a superstar. You're going to wrestle like a WWE superstar. Triple H already brought in mega names from the indies. And WWE didn't want mega names from the indies. They don't want to have to reteach everybody on how to work the WWE style. It is easier for them to take some fucking idiot from college and teach them the WWE way. There's not going to be any lip. There's not going to be any deviation away from what they uh, are taught to know, right? Everything is going to be easy. It's going to be a cakewalk. You know it this way. Oh, you're giving me lip? No, 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 listen. We can't have it that way. You're going you're gonna to retrain Adam Cole to work the WWE way? You're going to retrain Keith Lee to work the WWE way? Why did Keith Lee fail on the main roster? Because he only knew one way. It was his way. It was what he brought to the dance. You guys know what happened to Keith Lee. They tried to retrain him and fucking mold him into the next Mark Henry. Wrestle like a big man. Bearcat, Keith Lee. What happened? They lost interest in him. 
right after he made it to the main roster, man. Soon as they saw what he was doing, they tried to change it and then pin the blame on him. Ridiculous. Anyway, moving on. My biggest takeaway from the WWE tryout was that the company is essentially making its own wrestling school. There will be many more new wrestlers in this business because of this, whether they stick in WWE or end up somewhere else. Levesque kept coming back to the idea that the original purpose of the Performance Center and the developmental system was to create a path into WWE, which was the case. NXT was a path into WWE. You see Kevin Owens. You see Sami Zayn. Where did they come from? They came from NXT. They came from the Indies and then went to NXT and then got brought to the main roster. Look at Roman Reigns. He's another perfect example of him going to NXT and going to the main roster. Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Bailey, Asuka. The list goes on and on. But how many names have I left off that did the same thing? The Andrades and the Aleister Blacks and the Johnny Garganos and all those people that we've seen. EC3 is another one who got buried, mauled on the main roster. Ricochet. Finn Balor. I don't give a shit what Finn Balor's fucking accolades are in WWE. Where is he now? He is absolutely a non-entity. There are names on this list. I'm not Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Buddy Matthews. You name it, man. W- Rusev. WWE had an entire system down in NXT led by Triple H. And they kept who they wanted to keep. All the women were kept because there's a political movement going on to really portray women's wrestling as, oh my God, people need women's wrestling. Meanwhile, WWE themselves don't even embrace women's wrestling. Where did women's wrestling, by the way, where did women's wrestling come from? Where, is, where did women's wrestling today, as we see it in WWE, where, where was that born? Was it... Uh, what, what, was it in NXT, right? Or did Bruce Pritchard come up with the fucking magical idea to put Sasha Banks and Bayley in a fucking main event match at TakeOver Brooklyn? Who, who was it? Was it Triple H? Was it Stephanie McMahon? Or, or was it Vince McMahon's team? No, no, no. No, it can't be Bruce. Bruce hates women's wrestling. It was Triple H. Triple H's vision was the reason why the women's revolution was born. Tony Storm. You guys name them all, man. The, the Pac, EC3. You name it. Ruby Soho. You name it, they all came from NXT. WWE wants to keep who they want to keep for whatever reason they want to keep them and get rid of everybody else. All the people that are no longer there, they were cut because they were casualties of the entire Triple H movement. They were punished. People got called up to the man. Nobody, absolutely no one is going to convince me otherwise. They got called up because they did not fit the current mold of WWE. So theoretically, WWE wasted our time. They got called up because they were punished because of Triple H's failures. So whatever Triple H failed, everybody else around him and that was important to him was also punished as well. 
Tegan Knox, another one, The Ascension, Ember Moon, AOP, the list goes on and on. I don't need to sit here and go over everybody that was fucking let go. 90% of them were for NXT. You know all the stories. You know all the stories. WWE had a great developmental system. NXT Black and Gold was a great developmental system. WWE didn't think so because it was Triple H doing it and not anybody on the main roster. It always bothered me, he says. The NXT Golden Era from 2014-2019 thrived largely in part because it signed so many independent wrestlers. It always bothered me to get into wrestling in the past. You've almost got to be someone with nothing else going on or can't take no for an answer and dig and dig and dig. But that pool is so small. People trying to get into this business, Levesque said. As I met more people and you become savvy to the world of athletes, you realize the NFL is letting go 500 players a year. You look at massive pools of incredible athletes from all sports. If you take that pool and 10 or 5% have big personalities that would be good for your business, you're talking about a talent pool that's a thousand times bigger than right now. So are you trying to make excuses for WWE letting go of somebody like a Aleister Black and an Andrade and not making a fucking contract offer to an Adam Cole Are you really trying to make excuses for WWE ruining everything you put on the table and comparing it to sports leagues like the NFL and MLB where everybody lets a staggering number of athletes go every single year? This is not a fucking NFL league. This is not MLB. This is not NBA. I don't want to sit here and watch all of these fucking potential stars go and waste away. Then they go somewhere else and people still fucking complain that they're wasting away when all we wanted was for them to be under you to go on to succeed, to go WrestleMania main event somewhere and bring the WWE to the fucking place where it needs to be, where we all know it should be. No, WWE had no fucking vision for anything With any of those guys, period. That's what bothers us. That is what bothers us the most. Now, this doesn't mean WWE won't sign established wrestlers. The company just got Cody Rhodes from AEW. Yes, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is an established wrestler, but he is a one in a million established wrestler. Cody Rhodes also is an EVP to AEW. Cody Rhodes also is one of the biggest names that came from WWE, started with WWE, to go on and make competition that directly competed with WWE. There's a one in a million, Cody Rhodes. You can't use him as a fucking example, okay? The only reason why WWE wanted uh, Cody Rhodes from AEW is because they knew that if they knocked one of the EVP pillars down, it would somehow weaken them. But Tony Khan is so strong that he doesn't need Cody Rhodes. I've said this for weeks now. AEW does not need Cody Rhodes. 
He was making no impact on ratings. He was not making an impact on whatever they were doing on television. And apparently he's not making that big of an impact on Monday Night Raw either. It was only because of what they did surrounding WrestleMania. AEW doesn't need Cody Rhodes. WWE needed Cody Rhodes for more than one reason. One of the major reasons was to weaken AEW. They wanted to get their fucking rocks off, and they wanted that Cody Rhodes fucking head on their fireplace. That's what they wanted. And they ultimately got him. Now, how they treat him, that's going to be another story in its own right. Are they going to bury him? Are they going to get bored with him and then bury him? Or are they going to treat him like a legit superstar because... God only knows they fucking need a number two outside of Roman Reigns. Cody Rhodes from AEW. But it wants more options, especially younger options. Among more recent NXT alum, Finn Balor, 40 years old. Damian Priest, 39 years old. Tommaso Ciampa, 36 years old. The idea of creating wrestlers in their early 20s is the goal. Not going to happen if you sign a fucking indie wrestlers that have 15 years experience. That's what Triple H was doing. There was nothing wrong with that. WWE just has their fucking, their ways all sick and twisted. There's nothing, Adam Cole's 32 years old. You're going to tell me Adam Cole's old? You're going to tell me Tommaso Champ at 36 years old is old? Give me a fucking break. That, that, by the way, that mentality needs to fucking die a thousand deaths. Finn Balor's 40 years old. He's worthless to us. Damian Priest is 39 years old. Oh, he's too old for us. We can't use him. He can't main event wrestling. Are you fucking serious? Are you really serious with this shit? Killer Cross is 37 years old. Yeah, he's not good enough for us. What a terrible way to, to, do, to do business. Taya Valkyrie was 36, 37 years old. She complained about it on social media when they let her go. Ageism. Yes, ageism is a real thing in WWE. And everybody knows it, but nobody speaks up about it. It's fucked up. Levesque also knows that they'll probably pass on someone who makes it big elsewhere, but that's not a bad thing. So you're, you're okay with letting people go that are going to be big elsewhere. Why? Because you got the fucking bankroll to buy them back when they want free agency? Doesn't work that way. FTR showed you how desperate WWE is. WWE showing interest in FTR. Yes, let's go go work somewhere else and do our thing that we're not allowed to do in WWE. It's not the fucking talent's fault. It's the creative's fault. FTR should have been the biggest fucking tag team coming out of NXT. What were they doing? They were shaving each other's fucking backs on the main roster. Yes, let's go somewhere else and make ourselves into a fucking household name. Make ourselves into superstars because we're not given the foundation to do so in WWE. But WWE is all right to go let these people go work somewhere else and become superstars, but come back home. It's as if they are buying the fucking Cliff Notes version of goddamn people they're allowing to go somewhere else. That sickens me to no end. Sickens me. That tells me that WWE doesn't appreciate talent. That is disgusting. He's okay with that. That's not a bad thing, says Paul Levesque. Really now? Really now? They absolutely fucking slaughtered everyone you brought in. And look at what they've done. Samoa Joe gets placed with fucking Tiffany Stratton. Adam Cole gets replaced with Braun Breaker. Adam Cole 
Should have been a main event WrestleMania act for decades. This guy's over there. He's doing whatever he's doing in AEW and WWE past. I'm one of the best pro wrestlers on the entire fucking planet. That's great. It's, a, it's not a bad thing, says Paul Levesque. Not a bad thing, right? It, it's, it's amazing to me. It, it's amazing to me how people make excuses for the obvious wrong. It, it should have never been changed. Nothing that we saw in NXT 1.0 should have been changed. Nothing. Nothing. Are there going to be some we miss where they say they'll stay in the business, go find somebody else to train them? Yeah. Good for them. Probably sooner or later, we're going to see them and realize we were wrong and should hire them back. Oh. Oh, is that right? Is that right? But is it you? This is what he doesn't say. Is it you that's letting them go? No. No, all the people that you fucking hired were fired. You had no say in anybody being brought in and no say in anybody leaving after you were gone. Everything that you worked to build was erased, but it's okay to go and have them go somewhere else, ultimately to bring them back if WWE certainly is interested in them, right? I I don't know how anybody could be okay with that. Nine years, 10 years. 2014 to 2019, thrived the golden era of NXT. Five years wasted. He's okay with that. Realized we were wrong and should hire them back. At some point, they'll want to be a part of the biggest promotion in the world and come back here. Not everybody wants to be here. Not everybody wants to play for the Yankees. Right? The Yankees just got fucking... Blasted by every New York publication and online media for their fans in the bleachers throwing shit at the... Who the fuck did they play? The Washington Nationals? Holy shit. Throwing beer cans and fucking... And they won the fucking game. Yes, the greatest fans for the biggest sports organization in the world. The Yankees. Everybody wants to play for the fucking Yankees. Right? Yes, I'm sure everybody wants to play for a fucking organization that has one of the worst sports fucking fans in the world, right? Nobody after yesterday wants to play for the Yankees. Who wants to play for the fucking Yankees? Why does everybody have to work and want to work for the WWE? Why? Because that's where the money is? That's where the superstardom is? You can't go make superstardom somewhere else? It's a fucking terrible mindset, man. You don't need to be with the biggest organization to make a huge fucking difference in this sport. The move to NXT 2.0, the Cleveland Guardians, the the Guardians, oh, the Cleveland Indians, Guardians. The move to NXT 2.0, NXT's brand change and TV move to Tuesday night, so here we go, was seen by many as an admission of defeat after going head-to-head with AEW Dynamite, and it coincided with this youth movement. It was also largely uh, with Levesque out of the picture following his health scare. But he defended the move and said the shift was always part of the plan. The move to NXT 2.0 was always a part of the plan. I highly 
highly doubt. This guy, what is his name? Chris Vanini? This guy was given bullshit with his name written all over it. NXT 2.0 was a part of the plan always. So there was this point, says Triple H, where it was on the WWE Network, had this cult following, and we needed to get to television. Oh, is that right? Is that right? So so, so let me get this straight. You're contradicting yourself as far as NXT being a developmental. Whoever said NXT, a developmental brand, needed to have a TV deal. That's WWE speaking greed. They didn't need to be on TV. Who said that they needed to be on TV? NBC Universal? Bruce Pritchard? Vince McMahon? Who said they needed to be on TV? As soon as you moved it to TV, the quality of the show was fucking killed. Killed. How do we do that? We need more experience. We need to professionalize this a little bit to make the product to where the fans want to see it. We got them to that place. The pandemic messed it up a little bit. I will be very honest with you. The pandemic did fuck with NXT more so than any other promotion. That fan base was not allowed to be in that arena. NXT had to do takeovers, which were the biggest thing on WWE Network. They ceased to exist. NXT was killed partially, not because completely by the pandemic, but partially the pandemic played a large part in NXT not getting back to where it was. The pandemic messed it up a little bit because it was right when we wanted on TV and we had to shift our focus, doing it in front of no people. It completely altered what we were doing. We couldn't recruit or train talent for almost two years, but the show stayed. Then we said, okay, let's reboot it and go back to what we originally were. Some of these people won't be ready for television, but we're going to put them on television and believe the audience is invested enough that the numbers might come down, but a core group of them will stay, and now you're creating fresh stars all the time. That's where we are now. The numbers have stabilized. I don't understand how this... I mean, I mean, th- this doesn't make any sense to me. So... So you you said that it was in the plan all along. When was all along? When was it all along to change the brand to NXT 2.0? Clearly, if the pandemic never happened, it would have never been in the fucking plans, right? I I don't know how it was in the plans all along. Was it in the plans since the pandemic? Or because you saw what the brand had become because of the the pandemic, you you opted to change it to NXT 2.0? How was it the plan all along? It wasn't the plan all along. That's a crock of shit. It was the plan ever since AEW fucking booted you off Wednesday night. That's when it was the fucking plan. Not because of the pandemic and not because of anything else you were doing. It was the plan since AEW kicked NXT's ass. That's when it was the fucking plan. And NXT did not need to be on television. NXT should have stayed on the WWE Network at one hour. Never had that company AEW, they should have never even been in competition with a WWE show, period. NXT should have never been the brand to take the fucking bullet against AEW. That wasn't Triple H's idea either. That was all Vince McMahon. Triple H was set up to fail by Vince McMahon. They didn't need TV. NXT 2.0 was always in the pipeline, he says. No, it wasn't. 
And NXT 2.0 was the plan as soon as AEW was kicking their ass. Triple H had his heart attack, and then they started to reboot the fucking show and go in a different direction while also firing everybody that he hired. I'm sure that was in the fucking plan too, right? Sure thing. This entire interview is a crock of shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. NXT 2.0 was always in the plan. Please, Paul, tell me, was everybody that you fucking hired to be part of your fucking management team also in the plan to be fucking terminated? That's what I want to know. Was this documented here in this delightful interview? Of course not. Of course not. That's what I would have. Oh, yeah, Paul, but, but was it but, but was it in the plan to have everybody that you hired fired? None of the questions that really matter are ever asked. So the pandemic, fine. People like Braun Breaker, he's been training for a year. Half the women, they've been here maybe a year. Not many of them are good. I'll tell you that right now. There's a lot that's just so fresh and new. People used to say the constant churn of NXT was negative. That churn is what's great about it. The people here now, hopefully a year and a half from now, none of them are even in NXT anymore. And the ones that make it will go on to Raw and SmackDown. That's the magic. That should have been the magic. That was the magic. That was the vision. That was the plan. You fired over 200 fucking talent. Most of which were people you hired. Was it the plan for them to fucking make it to Raw SmackDown? Or was it the plan for them to be on the unemployment line? Awful. This entire interview is a crock of fucking garbage. So, people like Braun Breaker trained for a year and a half, blah, 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 make it to Raw SmackDown, blah, blah, blah. It's truly the developmental league, the college football, AAA baseball. Yeah, they're not all quite ready to be on that major league level yet, but you're discovering them before they become household names. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm a Braves fan. If, if you ask me who the fuck is in their minor league system, I couldn't name one fucking guy. Do I care? Yes. Do I care enough to know? No, I don't. That's what NXT has become to me. NXT 2.0 has become a show where, listen, I, I need to know who they are because of what I do, but if I didn't have this show, I would never, seeing what they turned that show into, never watch NXT 2.0 on Tuesday night. It is absolutely embarrassing. It's not a developmental. It's basically Raw on Tuesday night. It's SmackDown on Tuesday night. That's all it is. If your idea and your goal was to turn NXT into the fucking main roster on Tuesday night, then fucking plan succeeded. Absolutely embarrassing. Levesque added, we were talking about this shift anyway. No, you weren't. You were talking about the shift when AEW kicked your fucking ass and you got booted to Tuesday nights. That's when you talked about the shift. That's where we were headed. It happened at a period of time where I had to leave for a bit. Luckily, Shawn Michaels had been doing it with me all that time, so it was a seamless thing. I stepped out, did what I needed to do, but that team has killed it. They've really created a show where you can really say that's the next generation of stars. Shawn Michaels is not in charge. 
Shawn Michaels may be there, but Shawn Michaels is basically the puppet that hangs from the strings of Bruce Prichard. Bruce Prichard's running the show. If every creative idea needs to be approved by Bruce Prichard, Shawn Michaels is not running the show. Seriously. That discussion could end right now. Every time I mention it, I get fucking angered. There's some idiot in the community that thinks Shawn Michaels is still running NXT. No, he's not. He was never running NXT. Shawn Michaels sat next to Triple H when Triple H was there. When Triple H was removed and fucking fired from his position of power. Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon came in to run the fucking show. They run it via Zoom and Shawn Michaels is there doing all the dirty work because they're too busy to be fucking there on Tuesday night. They're too good to be there on Tuesday night. If they they took this show to be somewhat important, don't you think they'd be there? They're there every fucking Monday and Friday. What makes Tuesday any different? NXT stars in AEW. Get the troll out of the chat. I don't know. Listen, I'm going to get the troll. I get the troll out of the chat. Seriously. I'm, I'm not even looking at this. I don't even know why the fuck I look at the chat. Seriously. Hula Grimm's in the chat. Otis is in the chat. Get rid of him. You guys know your deal. You guys know what to do, man. Get him out of here. For wrestling fans, it's not hard to notice that many wrestlers formerly at the top of Levesque's NXT show are now in AEW and other promotions. From Adam Cole to Red Dragon, Undisputed Era, Keith Lee, Malachi Black, Andrade. A lot of the work Levesque put into them in NXT is now paying off somewhere else. WWE released some of these wrestlers, others left on their own. I asked Levesque what he thought about seeing his former NXT wrestlers there. I like all those guys. They helped us get where we needed to get, and I'm thankful for it. The truth is, there was a period of time where we were trying to build NXT. We built NXT, then we were trying to build a brand that could get a television show and sustain it. So you mean to tell me that you wanted to build a television show and you wanted to sustain a television show, but those guys were not good enough to build and sustain a television show. So now they all left and went on to do something else because they weren't good enough for what you needed them to do. Or were you not good enough in defeating AEW? See, that's not documented here. That's not documented here. I don't know why anybody would be speaking so freely and so highly about these other people that you put so much creativity into. Malachi Black, Aleister Black, was one of the best things that came out of NXT. There should be absolutely no discussion by anybody about Malachi Black not being on the main roster, not being a future piece to the WWE fucking future. WrestleMania main event waiting to happen was Malachi. He had everything. Everything about him from the look to the promo to the in-ring to the entrance. This guy was given everything by Triple H. Fired. Fired. This guy sat in a fucking broom closet for eight months sniffing ammonia, and that was the most of his main roster run. Couple of matches with Buddy Matthews, and that was it. They put him in a fucking feud against New Day after coming up with some fucking nice comic book strips for him, and goodbye. Released. Released in the middle of the dark father gimmick. Now, I'm sure he deserved it, though, right? I'm sure you're real pleased about him taking whatever he was doing on WWE TV and going to do it somewhere else. Right, he says, 
These people, I'm thankful for them. It was a period of time where we were trying to build NXT. We built NXT and we were trying to build a brand and get a television show. So they're not good enough to build a television show is what you're telling me? All these names helped us get there. Whether anybody believed or not, they fit on Raw SmackDown. Those aren't necessarily my decisions. They're Vince McMahon's decisions and fans' decisions. It's not our decisions. It's our decisions? The fuck is this guy on? Seriously. It's our decisions. And then can we continue to do business with them? Vince McMahon fired everybody here. Adam Cole. Adam Cole, he wanted to turn Adam Cole into a fucking manager. Red Dragon, let him walk. They fired Bobby Fish. They let Kyle O'Reilly walk. Fucking Roderick Strong is still there. Keith Lee, fired. Malachi, fired. Andrade, fired. They're not good enough. Every one of those guys should have been a major fucking name. Swerve, another one. Ricochet, still there, surprisingly. Should have been another one. Where are they? They're all working for AEW. They weren't good enough for WWE. They were fired because they were casualties of Triple H and the fact that he failed beating AEW. So Vince McMahon thought and thought the best way was, instead of firing my own son-in-law, we'll just fire everything that he did and embarrass the shit out of him, demote him, and then rip his brand apart and take it for our own. That's exactly what they did. That is exactly what they did. So if they have great gigs, I'm happy for them. I stay in touch with almost all of them. I like to think that they came into us here. We taught them a lot, got them to a higher level where they learned how to do television, how to be professionals, and all that to be successful there. At some point, they might come back with us or they might not never come back with us because they don't fit our brand, but that's okay. They got us to a certain place, and I'm thankful for that, and they're thankful for that, and they're off to do different things. But that doesn't stop the train. People leave football teams, move to different teams all the time, and it's great. No, I'm sorry. Nobody's firing fucking Tom Brady from the goddamn New England Patriots to make wave for a new fucking youthful quarterback. Nobody is firing Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay to make way for a new youthful fucking quarterback. Give me a fucking break. People don't come and go at that level. Those guys were at that level. Good enough to build a future of WWE level. Everybody's seen it. Everybody felt it. Everybody knew it. Yes, let me fire the best I have so that they can go on and do something else. And we're thankful for the time that they gave us. They may end up coming back here. Give me a fucking break. Give me a break. What a ridiculous fucking article. Creating new stars. For a period of time in the mid-2000s to the mid-2010s, many felt WWE had lost its ability to make stars. They haven't created a new star since fucking Roman Reigns. Nobody. Nobody. And some of those were CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. They were done so reluctantly because they were small guys, indie guys, that WWE was forced to push because that was the initiative. That's changed in recent years with Roman Reigns, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch... 
many of whom came through NXT. Levesque pointed to the Tonight Show as an example of how this has changed. Three years ago, the Tonight Show would call and want a guest and ask for Triple H or The Undertaker or John Cena. There was a year I couldn't make it work, so I asked them to pick Roman or Braun Strowman. They weren't interested. Now Roman is on that show on his own. It takes time. You're building stars. It's not like Flash in the Pan stars where this guy's hot in boxing today and six months later nobody remembers him. No, no, it's not like that. In, in, in six months, he's fired from WWE. That's how it works here. In one month, he's the, the talk of the town, and then in six months, he falls out of favor with Vince McMahon and is ultimately fired when everybody realizes that he was a part of your team and there is no use of him, uh, for him on the main roster because he was a part of Paul Levesque's team. That's how it works in WWE. Give me a break. You're going to build generational stars that last. It takes time. It's a slow and steady progression. And they're getting there. Becky Lynch, Roman Reigns, they're becoming household names. The past, that doesn't necessarily mean Becky Lynch is good. She may be a household name, but she's one of the worst aspects of WWE television. The past year has seen a ton of turnover in WWE. The company has gone all in on this talent shift, and the roster five years from now will look a lot different than it has in the past. AEW, loading up on indie wrestlers, continues to look strong as well. The landscape is changing, and those are two very different talent strategies. But as much as online wrestling fans like to argue with each other about each company, the end result should be a better industry for everyone because of the competition and the options that are available. WWE was also talking about competition with AEW. This is the last part of the entire article here from The Athletic. Triple H talked about AEW as competition. Levesque viewed the idea as a positive for the industry. He says this, as far as the competition aspect goes, it's great. It makes everybody sharper. Now, I know you guys aren't as stupid as most other fucking audiences in the IWC. Has WWE television looked sharper because of AEW being around? Have they actually stepped up their game creatively? No. Not once in the entire time AEW's been around has WWE stepped up their creative... In fact, they've gotten worse. AEW has actually made... WWE worse because they don't try anymore. They know they don't have to try because AEW, they created this alternative. Fine, let them be the alternative. Let us be the money-making machine that we are from Fox and NBC and Saudi, right? That's all they care about. That's all they give a shit about. AEW should have made WWE TV better, but in fact, WWE hasn't given a shit about the competition that AEW is, and they look to be better, you think. No, they don't. They're actually worse. In fact, when they want to do something that AEW does on television, they try and do it in such a sly way where we all know that they're copying AEW's homework, i.e. the fucking Miz and Edge promo that was horrendous on that first night clearly taking a page out of the CM Punk MJF playbook, but nobody wanted to hear that. It was nothing more than a Punk MJF fucking 
low-level storyline on WWE TV where they felt like they had to act cool and be cool because The Miz was mentioned by MJF, or CM Punk, rather, in his promo against MJF on Dynamite. Oh, look, we got The Miz trending because he was mentioned on Dynamite. Let's bring The Miz back on WWE TV and put him in a feud against somebody who can also speak as good as Punk. You fucking serious? You get lazy if you're all there. If you you get lazy if there there is nothing but you, he says. That if you're all there is and nobody goes about their business. The end of the day, it'll make us better and we all be better for it. All those things have forced us to be in a better place right now. Not that we wouldn't have gotten there anyway, but we had to do it quicker in some manner. That's an important piece of it, right? He says, if you're a six-year-old kid, you turn on the TV, wrestling is on, and you like it. Now you're caught up in it. Then you start sampling all of it. You get to where you're a huge fan. That's the money. There's room for everybody to do it. It's like saying the USFL or XFL is starting up, and the NFL is panicking about market share. It's just going to increase people's love for football. If you love football that much, you'll watch all of football, and it's great. But the NFL is not sweating that. Complete bullshit. I don't see the NFL trying to shut down XFL. WWE is trying to shut down AEW. That's what they want to do. Every twist and turn that WWE takes, it's to fucking make AEW weaker, weaken AEW, embarrass AEW. Fast Nationals being released. You got to pay for that type of information. Bullshit articles being posted online. Pizza Gates where somebody went to AEW's advertisers and and ratted on them about the Nick Gage Pizzagate incident. All these things are done maliciously. The fucking bots online, those are paid shills. Those are paid, some of them may be WWE fucking accounts for all I know. It all works in WWE's favor. They try and do everything they can to weaken I don't see MLB trying to fucking, you know, get rid of another baseball league. I don't. I don't see the NFL trying to get rid of the XFL or the USFL. His comparison is way, way off. This is pro wrestling. This is not the NFL. This is WWE and AEW. You killed your only competition in WCW, and you're looking to do the same with AEW. Give me a fucking break. This entire article is fucking complete bullshit. Every second of this article has been complete bullshit. I love Triple H and value Triple H like the next of them. So I get, I get that he's got to say what he's got to say here. But holy shit, do they got this guy by his fucking balls. This guy was blackballed. He was black blacklisted from NXT, fired. They fired his entire team, fired all of his talent, and then Bruce and Vince took over operation because he failed to do what Vince wanted him to do. He was put in positions that he was never really, he never wanted to be in those positions. If you ask Triple H behind closed doors, was it all you that wanted to go live for two hours? No. No, it was WWE. Vince wanted that for him. 
He didn't want that. If Triple H had it his way, he'd still be a fucking developmental. And you know what? That developmental at one hour was putting on the best fucking television all week in WWE. I miss those days, man. I really miss those days. This entire article, whatever this guy's that Chris Vanini, listen, fine job on the on the interview. Go, go, great that he got the interview. The, the, the questions that he asked, I mean, they were in line. He asked all the right questions. But Triple H did not give the right answers. And we all know why he didn't give the right answers. He's not allowed to give the right answers. And nobody should have really gone out there and expected him to give any other answers that we have discussed here on the show. Because that's exactly what happened. Nobody will convince me otherwise about Triple H and why he is no longer there. And the black and gold is now dead. And all we have of it is its remains on Peacock. Guys, we are rolling right along here for episode 427 of the podcast. I got a lot more to go over. We got 1,900 people inside the venue, man. Continue to get those super chats in. Thank you for the 1,000 likes. Get those new memberships in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout. To save 20% off and free shipping. Guys, Testicular Cancer Awareness Month happens all month in the month of April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, families, and all impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Go to manscaped.com and save 20% off on their new performance package 4.0. Man, it's the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling fresh this spring season. Manscaped's signature lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is the most precise shave on your boys down below. Did I mention it's also waterproof, man? You can take it into the shower and not have to worry about anything. It is also equipped with an LED light, so you know you guys are going to be in safe hands, even in the dark, with this lawnmower 4.0. You guys need to clear your holes as well and smell the spring air with their Weed Whacker. This ear and nose hair trimmer provides skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those most delicate places. After clearing your nose, make sure you guys get rid of that foul ball smell with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, man. It's the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Once again, guys, that's manscaped.com. Script 20 at checkout. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life with Manscaped. Moving on with the rest of the show, man. WWE apparently has no plans for Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss reportedly told Vince McMahon she's unhappy with WWE creative. Feifel reported this week that Alexa Bliss has been vocal about her displeasure with WWE creative. Join the fucking list, honey. Join the list. I'm fucking unhappy. I 
want to be vocal and voice my displeasure about WWE creative as well. Bliss has been hinting on social media that she has been ready to return, and she does not know why she's off TV after the company began airing vignettes for her return in January. Bliss hasn't appeared on WWE TV since the one-off match at the Elimination Chamber. The report states that creative pitch for Bliss to be involved in the Becky Lynch-Bianca Belair feud, but that was shot down and the priority of the booking Bliss shifted significantly after the vignettes. It was also noted that Bliss has been very transparent about her frustration after nothing of substance has been booked for her after being gone for half a year. I'm sure this all is making Wyndham Rotunda somewhere very, very fucking pleased to know that they gave him a hard time with what he wanted to do, fired him, gave his gimmick to Alexa Bliss, and then buried Alexa Bliss by not putting her on TV to complete the fucking storyline. No, but Vince and Bruce knew exactly what they wanted to do. They were smarter than Wyndham as far as the character development and where they wanted to go with this, right? Give me a break. Bliss has been very transparent. Feifel added that talent we heard from said that there was also no discussion backstage that Bliss had voiced that directly to Vince McMahon. That's how you got to go, man. You got to go and voice your displeasure with Vince McMahon. Fuck creating a online campaign about it. Forget that. That ain't going to work. That's only going to get you in more hot water. If you can find him, go find him. I'm sure Bliss doesn't have a problem finding anybody backstage, man. They all love Alexa Bliss. In March, Bliss indicated on social media that she had no idea why she wasn't being used on TV. In March, it was reported by PW Insider there were no plans for Bliss before WrestleMania. And last week, it was reported that Bliss was listed as the number two babyface on the roster, but she hasn't returned to television as of yet. First of all, she should not be babyface, number one. Number two, she needs to be a heel. Uh, Also, if she doesn't come back to TV, you're not going to see a fucking tear roll down my face at all during her absence. I don't care whether she's there or not. I I don't care. She doesn't add anything of value to anything on what is a largely terrible program with what has a largely terrible division. Alexa Bliss is not going to save the problems or aid in the problems of WWE's god-awful Monday Night Raw Women's Division. NXT. NXT. Actually, you know what? Before I get into NXT, Ray, who the fuck gives a shit about NXT, right? We got any NXT news. Who gives a shit about NXT, Ray? Let me get into this news here, man. WWE. Okay, I said I was going to talk about this, and I I don't want to miss it. Ali. Mustafa Ali. He could be returning to WWE TV as soon as tomorrow night. Fightful is reporting that a pitch has been made for him to appear tomorrow night. This news comes after it was reported earlier this year that Ali has asked for his release from WWE. WWE reportedly had no plans to release Ali, and Ali indicated on social media that he has about two and a half years left on his deal, which would have meant that he had to have sit back and sit at home for that time, risking the company adding time to his contract if he refused to work for the WWE. There's no indication that he refused to work, and it appears that the company simply had him sit at home since November with no creative plans. Now, the last time we heard about Ali is back in November, I believe, when Ali wanted to debut this new America gimmick 
And Ali reportedly got into a heated argument with Vince McMahon because they scrapped those storylines. After the storyline was nixed, Vince McMahon reportedly made a pitch for something Mustafa Ali would have never done, and that led to the heated argument. Since that time, there was talk that he would enter the men's Royal Rumble match. An idea for him to be in the Rumble match was scrapped, and Ali publicly stated that instead of being inserted into the Rumble match, he'd like to get his release. Now, while it has not been announced by the company, Ali could be back as soon as tomorrow night on Raw. Ali could be one of two returning stars next week on Raw. So let me get this straight. WWE wants to bring Ali back because they have a plan for him. Now, let me let me get this straight. Let me tell you guys. The idea has been pitched. A pitch has been made to get him on Raw or for him to appear on Raw tomorrow night. So if the pitch is not to his liking, he will not be on Raw. If the pitch is what I think it is, we could see Edge and Damian Priest get another new member in the form of Mustafa Ali. This is by process of elimination. With what Edge and Damian Priest are doing, it fits right into Ali's wheelhouse. He could probably do that and be very great at that if he wanted that type of gimmick and that role for himself on WWE TV. Other than that, if he was brought to Monday Night Raw, what else would he be doing? Cody Rhodes? Cody Rhodes is not going to be mixing it up with Mustafa Ali. Seth Rollins? Seth Rollins is not going to have anything to do with Mustafa Ali. What do they got planned for him? Is he going to be in the Kevin Owens-Ezekiel storyline? That's not something that would tempt Ali to come back and say, yeah, man, I want to come back to work. So what are they going to bring him back and do? I could see him going right to Edge's faction. Maybe they need somebody for Austin Theory and defending the United States Championship against Ali. He's been there, done that. Maybe they'll put him in a makeshift tag team. I don't know. There's nothing for Ali on Raw outside the brood 2.0. And even at that point, I don't know how well that's going to be received by the fans. Because this Edge, Damian Priest, Brood 2.0 is not going as I would like it to go. I don't think the, the fans are really taking to this new vision of Edge. So adding Ali, when already rumored Champa was going to be a part of that, and then Rhea Ripley was going to be a part of that, I don't know how well this is going to go for Mustafa Ali. So we'll see what happens. But that's the only thing I could logically think of if Ali is coming back to Monday Night Raw when he's a Friday night superstar, and he could be over there on Friday night lighting it up. But WWE clearly wants him back, pitched an idea. I say Friday's better off for him. They need him over there more so than Monday Night Raw. But if he's going to Monday Night Raw, I could see Edge and Damian Priest enlist him in their new faction. Asuka. Asuka is also returning to TV, and a big feud is booked for her. Reddit insider Kermit125, who has broken several big stories over the past few months, is reporting that Becky Lynch's next opponent will be Asuka. Oh, oh man, I'm getting bored of it already. I'm bored of it already. So let me get this right. We're going to do rinse and repeat with Asuka right from the start in her WWE return. Wow. 
Wow, that's such a creative idea, uh, Bruce. We haven't seen that one before, right? This would have made sense if Becky Lynch was still the champion. Becky Lynch is not the champion anymore. I don't know why we didn't go with Bianca Belair versus Asuka. That's something that we haven't seen, and that's something I'd actually be interested in, to be honest with you. Asuka hasn't appeared on WWE television since last July due to an injury. There were reports that she might return in time for the Royal Rumble. And in March, right before WrestleMania, there was uh, talk that she'd been cleared, but she shot down those rumors on social media. Asuka and Lynch have a ready-made feud because it was Asuka who was awarded the Raw Women's title when Lynch relinquished it in 2020 due to her pregnancy. There's no return date confirmed for Asuka, but with Lynch appearing on Raw tomorrow night, one has to assume that the return will likely happen this week. I don't know why we just don't move Asuka to SmackDown and just claim that WWE traded Ali to Raw for Asuka to move to SmackDown. I don't understand why we're doing Becky Lynch and Asuka again. It would have made sense if the title was on the line. Who gives a shit if they're wrestling? And why does it matter if they're wrestling now if the title is on the line? Asuka was awarded the title. Becky Lynch doesn't have the title anymore. What the fuck are they fighting over? It would have made sense for Asuka to come back and get the title from the champion, Bianca Belair. Or have Bailey come out. I'm sure she's ready to come back. Why don't we get Bailey versus Becky Lynch? That's something new. Why is Asuka and Becky Lynch going to be a thing? Am I happy Asuka's back on television? Yes. But what does it mean? Nothing. Nothing. More garbage from creative. That's what it means. NXT ratings, awful. 569,000 live viewers on the USA Network, down from 610,000 live viewers the show did one week ago. 0.12 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. It ranked number four, uh, number 44, number four, they wish. Number 44 in the top 150 shows on cable for the night. That was actually up from last week's ranking of number 47. And this was the total uh, viewership, the lowest total viewership of the show since March 1st. NXT is some enthr- uh, enthralling and really uh, exciting television. NXT, right? Show is complete garbage. I could tell by my own statistics why nobody watches NXT, man. At once upon a time, I was doing fucking thousands of views for my NXT post shows. Now nobody gives a shit. But uh, WWE Triple H, Triple H says they're creating new stars. They ain't creating new fans. They ain't creating anything new as far as the fan engagement on that show. Dynamite. Oh, by the way, let me run through these NXT results if you give a fuck. Santos Escobar lost to Carmelo Hayes. Grayson Waller beat Sanga. Tiffany Stratton versus Saray. Tiffany Stratton got the victory there. Natalia, yeah, that's some really exciting stuff over there, Natalia. Natalia versus Tatum Paxley. Roxanne Perez, the diner waitress, Roxanne Perez. Beat J.C. Jane and pretty deadly. They beat Dexter Loomis and Duke Hudson to retain the NXT Tag Team title. Oh, what a show, man. Wow. Man, that show's really making me miss the black and gold. A.W. Dynamite. Much better. Punk beat Dustin Rhodes in a great match. Hook defeated Anthony Henry. 
Wardlow defeated The Butcher. Britt Baker defeated Danielle Camella, who I hope we never see again. Kyle O'Reilly beat Jungle Boy. And Darby Allen versus Andrade Coffin match. That went to Darby Allen. Dynamite did 930,000 live viewers, down from 977,000 viewers. The show did one week ago in the 18 to 49 demographic. The show did a 0.37 rating. That was the same as one week prior. Dynamite was ranked number four in the cable top 150 shows for the night. That is down from number three. The show did last week. Everything is fine with Dynamite. They will be back to what... Listen, man, the growth year over year for Dynamite is good. It's fine. Okay? Go look at the growth year over year over year. For the first year to where we are now, tell me that they're not growing. I love for a level-headed fucking uh, geek out there to tell me that they're not growing. And then look at the same three years over at Monday Night Raw and tell me that they're losing viewers because of the NBA playoffs. Sure thing. Sure thing. I'm not using the NBA playoffs as a fucking excuse for Dynamite's low ratings. It's the NBA playoffs, okay? AEW Rampage, their ratings are in 482,000 viewers. This was down from one week ago where the show did 600,000 live viewers. The show had a special 7 p.m. start time and featured Adam Cole challenging Hangman Page for the AEW world title The last time Rampage was in a different time slot on March 18th, late at night, and they did 398,000 live viewers. So, listen. The show is taped. I'm telling you right now, man, when Rampage, when they get back to it being a legit important show that's a part of AEW's weekly television, it's going to remain the same, the same way. It needs to be live, and it, it, I, I can't stand these tape shows. These tape shows are fucking awful. Now, the show is not bad, but, you know, it, it's, it's not dynamite. It's not dynamite. And I will say this as well. They could do a little bit more to differentiate the fucking show from what we see on dynamite, man, really. Instead of it being an additional hour of what dynamite should be, It should really be a show on its own that should have a different vibe compared to what we see on Dynamite, and they don't even bother to go to that extent. The show is just, it's an entertaining watch. It's not supposed to be a ratings juggernaut on Friday night at 10 p.m., but it's also a tape show. And it's also, it also feels like a tape show. Nothing really major happens over there unless it's a live show. They've ingrained you and gotten you prepared for that. When Paige and Cole did the match, it was an important show. It was live. The next time it'll be an important show is when it'll be live, where it's fucking a part of some major Grand Slam show. New Japan and AEW have announced the Forbidden Door. Can't wait. This is going to be awesome. I'm not going to rant about how people are claiming this is not going to build a new audience. People are fucking stuck on this because it's the only excuse that they could come up with. It's all an excuse. Oh, it's not going to build a new audience. Oh, it's for the men. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't know any other women that are going to go to this show. So this is what I'm hearing in the community. That this is going to generate interest largely from a male fan base. That the women's bathroom is going to be empty. And it's not going to generate a new fan base to help AEW's audience, core audience, grow. I don't give a fuck. 
I don't give a shit. Do I care about AEW's longevity? Absolutely. This is not the show that's going to do that there, bro. This is not the show that's going to do that. This is a show that is going to keep the hardcore fan base very, very, very pleased. And you know what? AEW has something that New Japan sorely needs. Presence. New Japan is dead. So if you don't think, well, they're not dead, but they're nowhere where they used to be. This is a show that is helping New Japan get back to that level that they were at. Everybody's chiming in about, oh, it's not gonna, it's not gonna grow AEW's core audience. Why don't you suck my dick with that fucking excuse? I want to see you throw that excuse around with me when potentially we get Kazuchika Okada and Brian Danielson in the ring at the same time giving us a fucking 12-star classic. I want to see that excuse be brought to the table, man. I'll take my fucking cold beverage and I'll throw it right in your fucking face and then I'll go smile and buy another one and I'll be pleased with me wasting $18 on my fucking cold beverage. What a complete and utter shit show social media has become. This is the level of excuse, man. They're not even smart enough to come up with a fucking excuse that actually makes sense. The women's bathroom is going to be empty. So be it. But I doubt there will be a largely male audience there. I, I doubt there's going to be women that don't attend their show. You fucking kidding me? I, I, I don't understand how people listen to these blithering fucking oxygen thieves on social media. It's going to be a largely male-dominated show. It's not, it's not building AEW's core audience. You fucking serious? You're gonna give me, you're gonna be given four hours of legit dream matches that you fucking jerk off to every night that are gonna be happening in real life, and you're complaining to me about AEW's core audience. The fuck is wrong with you? Holy shit. AEW will grow their core audience when it's time for them to grow their core audience, okay? When they get a streaming deal, when they announce the next big thing that they're doing. Yes, because their major market in India now that they're that they're in talks with, right? Because of the Discovery Time Warner merger. I'm sure that has nothing to do with growing AEW's core audience, right? Nobody wants to talk about that though, right? What about a potential Ring of Honor buy a uh, sale? For uh, Tony Khan, he bought Ring of Honor. Who's to say he doesn't have all this plan to get AEW a huge streaming deal? That's not going to grow their fucking audience? People are going to be more in tune and more accessible to AEW on a streaming platform. It will happen in time. But please, please complain to me when you get CM Punk and Kazuchika Okada in the fucking main event of Forbidden Door, man. I can't wait to hear the excuses about why that one sucks too. New Japan's president. He said that AEW satisfies delusioned U.S. pro wrestling fans. Nice shot at WWE there. All of pro wrestling is delusioned by WWE. AEW has undergone tremendous growth in a very short time frame. Oh, I mean, right? New Japan's president saying it, right? Takami Obari is his name. Takami Obari. He, he said it right there. 
tremendous growth in a very short time frame. I, I mean, unless you're doing business, right? How, how would you know? How would the, the neckbeards online know what growth is? This guy clearly is running a major wrestling promotion and he's teaming with AEW because of their amazing and tremendous growth in a very short time frame. From a fan's perspective, that has a lot to do with meeting the unmet needs of the consumer. Creative matchmaking and exciting wrestling have been able to satisfy fans who have been left disillusioned by the, by the American wrestling landscape from a business standpoint for a new entrant into the field to be able to leverage a fresh identity and sculpt such an effective media strategy. It is very impressive, he says, end quote. Disillusioned American wrestling landscape. Guy seems to know it right from the word go, man. Why and what is going on in the United States with American pro wrestling? Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Everybody that watches the E is disillusioned. I Listen, I don't need to sit here and tell you that. I get people complaining about what I say on, on Wednesday nights because they're so fucking disillusioned that WWE's made them that way from watching Monday and Friday. All the time. All the time. Oh, well, well why, why are you, you like a time limit draw? Right? Brian and, and Hangman went to a time limit draw. People were complaining to me that it was the wrong outcome. If this happened on WWE television, I would be shitting all over. Why am I so pleased that it happened on AEW television? That is a definition. That is a, a scenario where it is a disillusioned fan. Because you're not conditioned to seeing it all the time. And when it is presented to you, because it's not presented to you on Monday or Friday night because they treat you like a blithering fucking idiot, then you ask questions. And then you start to make yourself look like a blithering fucking idiot. AEW confirms their video game. Fight Forever will be the title of their video game. The company previously filed a trademark for the name. Khan also asked fans in attendance at Pittsburgh's Dynamite to do chants that were recorded for the game. Those chants were led by Justin Roberts, and they were for FTR, Aubrey Edwards, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, Jeff Hardy, Sting, Adam Cole, and Adam Hangman Page. That is fucking awesome. How cool is that, man? That Pittsburgh is going to have some sound bites in the game from the last episode of Dynamite that took place at on, on Wednesday in Pittsburgh. That's awesome. That is awesome. If I'm buying the game and, I, and I'm going to hear those chants that are in the game, man, it, it gives you a feeling of you, you being a part of something great. I was there. I think that's fucking great, man. I wonder how many how many cities they're going to be doing that in from this point on to get the fans. The crowd is going to be a very huge part of the game. So they're going to need that to stick out. I mean, this is not like a WWE crowd. All those, all those chants here in 2K, I mean, that shit sucks. I mean, this is going to be a legit fucking crowd that is chanting this shit in the game. And that's going to have to be a big, big, huge aspect of the game. I'm looking forward to that. I really am. I'm looking forward to this game, period. It's going to blow away 2K22. No doubt about it. Darius Martin. Darius Martin of top flight injured. For, uh, unfortunately, Darius Martin is dealing with another injury again. Now, he did come out on social media and claim that it was not wrestling related. So we don't know what that means. Tony Khan ended up retweeting that. 
not wrestling related. It could be a mental thing. It could be an injury that took place while not wrestling. We don't know. I'm not here to speculate. Fightful, though, reported that Top Flight and Darius Martin right now, out of commission, sustained a leg injury fairly recently and is in sideline from in-ring competition. He's been pulled from this weekend's Warrior Wrestling Show. Per the report, Martin is expected to miss a lengthy period of in-ring time again. He recently returned from a torn ACL that left him out of action for over a year. That sucked. Because I was looking forward to Top Flight getting back out there and really just honing their craft and mixing it up in the tag team division, man. We're not going to be seeing that at right now anyway. He is apparently injured, and I hope it's not as serious as reports are reporting. SmackDown. Awful. Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn in a lumberjack match. Went to a no contest. Madcap Moss versus Angel Garza. Madcap Moss got the victory. Yawn. Jay Uso versus Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle got the victory. Easily the best thing on the show. Gunther. He went one-on-one with an indie talent. Ted Goods. Snore. Charlotte Flair and Ronda Drowsy. At this point, I'm fucking in a coma. Ronda Drowsy signs a contract for their I Quit match. And then Butch. Let me at him. Let me at him, Scoob. Reggie. Butch loses to Xavier Woods with a fucking small package. That was SmackDown. SmackDown drew its lowest key demo since July. Oh, Oh, I'm so heartbroken, man. I don't know how I'm going to pick up the pieces of my shattered life because SmackDown's ratings drew the lowest key demo since July. The show deserves it. The show sucks. The show was awful. Show averaged 2.142 million viewers on Fox, which is down from the 2.23 million the show did a week ago. In the 18 to 49 demographic, the show did a 0.48, and that is down from the 0.60 the rating did a week ago. Oh, I'm sorry. How am I going to fucking fall asleep this evening, man? I'll never do it. Roman Reigns. We talked about Roman Reigns. He will be headlining WrestleMania Backlash, or what I like to call Rehash, against Drew McIntyre. During Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that there's been speculation online that perhaps Roman Reigns would not be on the show since they have not set up an opponent for him, but that is not the case at all, and he will be there. He is not hurt. Meltzer stated he is, in fact, in the main event. I presume that they will shoot an angle, which they did on Friday. I would presume it, but he's in the main events on WrestleMania Backlash against Drew McIntyre. Reigns returned to in-ring action this past week after not appearing on the recent episode of SmackDown, and he will be wrestling McIntyre instead of Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania Backlash. As of this writing, these are the matches announced for Backlash. Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Drosy in an I Quit match. Charlotte uh, is not walking out the champion, I fear. And we will have a sleepy champion going into next week's SmackDown. Or the following week's SmackDown. Cody Rhodes versus Seth freaking Rollins. We got RK Bro versus the Usos to unify the tag team titles. And Edge versus AJ Styles. Wow. I'm blown away by this. I've never seen any of these matches before. 
And finally, guys, before we get the hell out of here and get into the Super Chats, L.A. Knight, he's got a new member of his Knight's Model Management. As noted last weekend, L.A. Knight is now a manager, and he's got a new stable called Knight Model Management. During a dark segment prior to the 4-15-22 episode of SmackDown, Knight introduced Mace as his first member. Prior to last night's, or this weekend's show, rather, Friday show, Knight was in the dark match again, and he introduced Mansoor as his newest member, turning Mansoor heel. Previously, Mansoor has been used during the weeks that lead up to WWE's Saudi shows, but it looks like he will be getting more TV time once the Knight Model Management Stable makes it to WWE TV. Prior to this week, Mansoor has only wrestled twice this year, I'm sure he loves being on SmackDown. He wrestled on the 114 episode of SmackDown, and he teamed with Cesaro in a fatal four-way match. He also competed in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on the April 1st episode of SmackDown, which thankfully I did not watch. So LA Knight is surrounding himself with losers, is what I'm gathering here. Night Model Management is just a cooler name for catering, is what I surmise from this entire situation. So you want LA Knight to be brought to the main roster to manage and help aid in getting over somebody that's been dead since day one and somebody in Mansoor who WWE never pushes on TV unless it's his token Saudi Arabia match And God only knows that WWE does not push anybody the look or the size of poor old Mansoor. So you want LA Knight to aid in getting these two individuals over when WWE themselves have done nothing to aid in getting these two individuals over. Yeah, this is going to be a fucking unbelievable, fucking unbelievable success. I'm sure this is going to go very swimmingly on Friday night. LA Knight will be released when all of this is over. This is L.A. Knight's test. Telling you right now, I think L.A. Knight's great. I think L.A. Knight, he could make it work. I hope he does for his sake. This is L.A. Knight's test. This is WWE telling, we're going to test you. I want to see how good you really are. I want to see how good you really are. Take these guys and make them and get them over. If he can't do it, Nick Khan's going to have that fucking 201 area code show up on his phone number. Hey, yo, uh, L.A. Knight. <clears throat> I'm sorry, John Laurinaitis. Oh, excuse me, uh, Mr. L.A. Knight. We're going to have to uh, let you go. It's not you. It's 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 just budget-related. Yeah, we wish you well in your future endeavors. All right, thank you. I'll see you on Impact. Eli Drake. That's what's going to happen. It's all a test. It's all a test. I test my patience every fucking week with this god-awful program every Monday and every Friday. WWE is legitimately going to kill LA Knight before he even gets started. Guys, that is all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed this live episode of Off the Script. I, I, I very much enjoy the live episodes, more so than sitting here ranting to myself. Man, at least I got fucking 1,800 people in the venue to listen to me bullshit, man. Hey, we wish you well in your, in your future endeavors, man. So I'll see you on, uh, I'll see you on Dynamite. Eli, Eli Drake. People power! Fucking ridiculous, man. 
Hit that thumbs up, guys. 1,100 likes we got. Holy shit. Can we try for 1,200? If everybody is in the chat now and has not hit the thumbs up, please do so, man. We need 70 more for 1,200. Get your super chats in. We're going to hang out in just a second. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. And go get yourself some Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout for 20% off. I will be back live on Monday night with Monday Night Raw. Sure, nothing of interest is going to happen. Cody Rhodes isn't even interesting enough to sustain a positive rating. But I'll be live in the venue tomorrow night, man. We got a brand new week of content right here on Off The Scripts. Let's get into the Super Chats, man. You guys can still get them on in. It's last call at the bar. Get them on in. Let's start at the top. We got Brandon James. No, not Brandon James Shea. Uh, Joseph Taylor. Joseph Taylor. Sorry, Joseph Taylor. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. All the takeovers Triple H produced were amazing. Best productions that WWE ever done was those takeover shows, man. Awesome. Sean Stiggers with a $5 Super Chat. Bought tickets to my first AEW show in Kansas City, June 8th. Hopefully, whatever they have going on there that night will be big. Appreciate the work that you do. Sean, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Marcus becomes an eight-month member in the VIP club, man. It's been seven months strong, JD. Keep doing your thing, bro. OTS for life. Can't wait for Dax versus Cash. Sheeta versus Deeb on Dynamite. Should be good, man. Hopefully, Jesse can get his situation sorted out. We can have him back on Wednesday night to give us his expertise on AEW. Thank you, Marcus. Seven months, man. VIP club, rocking and rolling. Zot becomes a seven-month member. It's been seven months. Crazy. Thank you, brother. Otis becomes a six-month member. Glad to be a part of such a great family like this one. Love you all. If you disrespect JD, you get thrown out. Hashtag TBB. Hashtag OTS for life. Thank you, Otis. Bouncing people out of the venue, man, because you want to be a geek and you want to fucking troll, you ain't going to last long with Otis here, bro. Sean, thank you so much, man. Hopefully you enjoy that Kansas City show. I just actually applied for media tickets for the Forbidden Door show, man. So we'll see what happens. LJ Best Ever becomes an 11th month, 11 month member of the VIP club, man. OTS for life. Thank you, brother. Almost got that one year under your belt. The Woofness Way becomes a member for 11 months. Great way to enjoy my night off. An old-fashioned and the best voice in the IWC killing the game. Cheers to you, man. OTS for life. I appreciate you, brother. Nothing better than a nice old-fashioned. I would know. Vegeta, two-month membership. Jay, the you're the GOAT. And looking forward to the growth of this channel. Hashtag OTS for life. Thank you, Vegeta. Two-month member, man. Enjoy that VIP club. Woo Jay Money with a 499 Super Chat. What's up, Jay? They're about to be graduating this Saturday. Always great to listen to Off the Script. OTS for life. 
Congratulations on graduating, money. Whatever you do next, brother, kill it. Sean Stiggers with a $20 Super Chat. Who do you wish to see in the Men's Owen Cup that isn't yet? Or who do you think should win that already is? Also, I think whichever woman wins could be the one to dethrone Jade, and then Jade moves on to the AW Women's title picture. Um... Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my prediction until I see a field. And until I see the match brackets, man. I can't really I can't really gauge on who is in the tournament yet because we only have three men. But Adam Cole is always a favorite in everything he does. Seriously, I don't think he's gonna be in much of anything going into double or nothing. He could be a, a viable winner there. Tony Storm is my winner for the women's side. Now I'm going to go a different route for the women. Tony Storm is my pick for the women's side. And I think she's going to win the women's portion of the Owen Cup. And I do think whoever wins this tournament will be a top contender for a title. I, I don't know what Tony Khan is doing, but I do think Jade is going to move on to the world title picture. She will be dropping that title soon. Who's next to wrestle Thunder Rosa? I think that's going to be Serena Deep. I do. I think after this match with Sheeta, Serena Deeb is going to be Thunder Rose's uh, challenger for the title match at Double or No. JT Golden with a 499 Super Chat. I can't take wrestling fans seriously. Someone on TikTok said that maturing is realizing that Jinder Mahal was a good WWE champion. No. Now, Jinder Mahal was one of the worst WWE champions of all time. He basically, he basically crippled SmackDown. No way. Get off TikTok, man. It's AIDS. We got Miss Kirata one. Two dollar UK super chat. I'm having a Koenig Pilsner, Germany's finest. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Enjoy a cold beverage. As long as you have a cold beverage in your hand, you're good to go here, man. Michelle Moran with a two-dollar super chat. Even Cody can't save Raw from getting a one-six on Monday. Thank you for the two-dollar super chat, Michelle. Yes, uh, Cody's great, but Raw—they take everything, man, and fucking kill it. CRJ209 with a seven-month membership. Yo, J, the happy Sunday. Thank you for all that you do. You truly are the goats. Thank you, CRJ. I appreciate you, brother. <clears throat> the cake says cake. Listen, I know you're not a new member, cake. And then it says 15 months, bro. I know you're a 15-month member, bro. Can I get a screwball whiskey? Yes, you can. FTR ain't going back before winning the NWA Tag Team titles. Also, Jesse said to tell you deep dish pizza is better. It's not. No. Nothing is better than a New York slice. Stupid Stars Music with a 499 Super Chat. Stone Cold needs to come out when Omos wrestles and do and redo the boring segments. Keep doing your thing, JD. Can I get a uh, Omos? It's kind of growing old, man. Omos, man. He ain't, he ain't really doing much of anything on WWE television. Complete waste is Omos. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. FTR versus Gorillas of Destiny at Forbidden Door. I could see it. 
Jedi Joker 93 with a 12-month membership. I honestly think that we should go back to two hours on Monday night. If they don't want to end the brand split, I'm going to Dynamite this week. I can't wait. Jedi Joker, Monday Night Raw should have never been three hours. Their greed has killed Monday Night Raw. Cake with a $2 super chat. Wasn't the brand split ended? Wasn't the brand split end why Raw became three hours? Was it? I don't think so. Who the fuck knows, man? Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. They think they will turn Roman and Seth face soon. No. No, I don't care if Roman goes face. He's already he's already conquered being a heel. So if he goes face, it's fine. And Seth, he's kind of a baby face anyway. He gets baby face reactions, man. He's not a full-blown heel in my honest opinion. ECW Hardcore 07 with a fight all Super Jack. Cracker beer, JD. I'm drinking a white Russian. Cheers, brother. OTS for life. Not a big fan of those white Russians, man. Too sweet for me. MJF Scarf 93. I think it should be MJF versus Hangman at double or nothing. Just my opinion. 10-month membership. It will be CM Punk MJF's Scarf. CM Punk versus Hangman. Punk wins the title. MJF takes the title from CM Punk because that is the overall greater story. Ricardo Linnell with a $15 super chat. Love your work, JD. We want some new AEW emojis. So do you see Ring of Honor on Saturdays? Soon on TNT or TBS. Enjoying a nice, cold, hazy at Rescue Brewery. Um, Ring of Honor, man. I don't know. I'd love to see it. On a Saturday? No. I don't want any wrestling on a Saturday, man. Thursdays, maybe? Wednesday? How about Wednesday? No, not Wednesday. Not Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday. How about Tuesday? Wednesday. I'm thinking, I'm thinking the old NXT schedule. Tuesday. Gives me a reason not to watch NXT anymore. I think Tuesday's a better day, man. Ring of Honor than AEW. Perfect. Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat says, Get some rest, young man. Oh, I will. Life moves pretty fast. I will. Thank you, Tony Brown. Brand new week of booty meat next week. I'm Danger with a $2 Super Chat. Does any of your family watch OTS? Just curious. No. But they very much are in the know of what I do. The Cake with a $5 Super Chat. I'll never get over the story of Sasha and Becky being told their style was wrong because it wasn't the WWE style. I watched the documentary of Sasha on WWE Evil. I don't know how this woman is not at the top of WWE right now, man. I, I don't understand it. She is so great. And she went over to work the strong style of Japan to incorporate that into her style, man. She did it more for herself. She's not even going to be able to do that in WWE, but she did it more for herself to reignite herself as far as the passion and love for pro wrestling. She needs to be at the top, man. That woman is way too good for what she's doing now. Rain Entertainment, 199. JD Sneeko is about to have 1 million subs tonight. Congratulations to him. The Cake. 
with a $2 super chat. All in Ali and Edge's faction makes way too much sense. Yeah, who am I kidding? They won't do that. We got a $4.99 super chat from Issa. Demon Diva had a blast on Thursday. Cheers to more nights like that. See you again soon. Issa, I uh, I owe you uh <coughs> I owe you for the for the bet we made. And I I, I owe you for uh, the drinks. Just leave it at that. Uh, Magician Sapphire would find out Super Chat. Here's five for your Mega Buster Fun, JD. The Mega Man of the IWC. Can't be too careful with the bots in an uproar over Forbidden Door being announced. The uproar over Forbidden Door is all fake, man. It's all fake outrage. If you're not excited about this show, I don't think you're a fucking human being. Z Awesome with a $20 super chat. Um, need a Kevin Dunn impression on the Forbidden Door. I'll do a Kevin Dunn impression when my voice is right, man. My voice is about pretty much shot. Wood is the Forbidden Door made of um, uh, wood. I'm sure it is. It's all I got, guys. It's all I got. Monday should be a great night, man. Monday should be a great night in the venue. Wednesday, hopefully, we have Jesse back doing his thing with us on AW Dynamite. And Monday Night Raw, man. Brand new week of content starts with Monday Night Raw. I appreciate you guys joining me on this episode, this live episode of Off the Scripts, episode 427. Just keep in mind, man. May 10th, circle it on your calendars. I will not be live on YouTube. I will be at a concert. And then this coming weekend, I don't know what's the schedule for the channel. I don't know what the schedule is going to look like. I will be in Delaware with my parents, and uh, I will be seeing them for the first time in many, many, many months. But that's all I got for you guys, man. I appreciate you all very much. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the 1,200 likes. 1,200 likes attained tonight. The goal was 1,000. You guys killed it. Thank you. Super Chats. Thank you to everybody that has Super Chatted tonight on OTS. Make sure you guys continue to hit that join button down below. Become a VIP. We got some great shit in the works, man. We're going to be moving into a nice, beautiful beer garden this summer. Should be great, man. New VIP lounge. New decor. New cold beverages. New place to park the Mustang outside, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Will it be raining, though? That's the question. Will it be raining? I may have to come up with something, man. Ricardo Little with a $2 super chat. Fuck Ronda Drowsy. I can't be drowsy, man. I'm driving home. That's coming up. Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out Manscaped, man. Manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout. 20% off and free shipping. 
And also go check out Bonfire, bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off the Script, man. All your merchandise needs on bonfire.com. Guys, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Now, there's no sunshine in the venue, man. It's either going to be rain or twilight. Give me those guitar emojis in the chat and give me those Mustang emojis for my VIPs, and I need that music on max. Guys, thank you so very much, man. Love you guys. See you tomorrow night inside the OTS venue for Monday Night Raw right here on Off the Scripts. I'll see you guys later.